Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yes, very good morning, everyone. Julian King with you on Summer Mornings. Great to have you along at SEN 11, 70 a.m. in Sydney and through the SEN app. Tops of 29 degrees in old Sydney town today and partly cloudy. And as always, I want you to join in on the conversation and enrich the show, that open line number 1300 1170 and the text line 0457 736 736. Boy, a jam-packed edition of the program today. We'll catch up with Balmain legend Gary Jack shortly to discuss the turmoil at the Tigers. Alex Doolan's going to join us to preview the first test between Australia and Pakistan, which gets underway tomorrow in Perth. And then, speaking of Perth, the man who prepares the pitch, there at Optus Stadium. Isaac McDonald, head curator, is going to talk us through the wicket. A little green, you might have seen the pictures. And Kane Pittman, ESPN NBA reporter, will chat all things basketball. We've got Meister along on the tools, 2am Tommy. Uh, well, I don't know if he's home again today because uh, the tummy bugs flared up or he just couldn't be asked and he was just worried about the price of petrol. Didn't want to drive in the studios. Either or, 2am Tommy is floating about, well, this is the big news. And the text board, you would have heard Andrew Voss and James Magnuson with their chat earlier this morning. And I have, if you haven't listened to it with Lee Hadjipan, tell us the ousted Tigers chairman. Uh, I urge you to do so. What a day in Tiger Town. And plenty of people on the text line have had their say. Uh, Michael Chambers has been across this story. Brent Reed as well. And Chambers in the Nine Papers has unpacked it all. And he said, West Tigers chairman Lee Hadjipan, tell us, drove his black Ferrari into the club's Concord headquarters yesterday morning, unaware of the events that were about to unfold over the next few hours. So together with the Chief Executive Justin Pascoe, the two faces of the West Tigers front office, hosted 65 of the club's corporate partners at a luncheon, which doubled as an opportunity for the club's key stakeholders to oversee the team's training session run by the Tigers legend Benji Marshall. Two hours later, both Pascoe and Hatchapan tell us we're gone. Once the executioners, they became the executed. And we know Lee Hatchpantelis, who sponsors this network, uh, far from happy with the way it went down. He said, look, there's been gross disrespect shown to the Tigers and myself personally by my fellow directors. And basically what Lee is saying is that they'll never pay the respect of being involved or consulted as to the review. Here's what he had to say to Vossi and Missile this morning. The manner in which it was done by shareholders, these are people who sit as directors of the shareholders, but also sit as directors on the West Tigers board. So I chair a board with these people who sit there having a fiduciary duty to the organisation, yet behind the scenes, scurrying in the shadows, 
putting together plans for the demise of the board. How is that not a breach of their fiduciary duty? Why would they not come forward and say there is an obvious conflict with me continuing in this role? I need to step down. It boggles belief. It, it is a world with which I am not familiar. He also said that there was no honour in the process, Lee Hadjipan tell us, and that this whole process of the review and recommendations of the review and implementing those recommendations is expedited because it was leaked to the media. He says it appears unlikely we'll ever see the report. The process was disgraceful. He's got a point, does he not? That they weren't given the opportunity to have a look at it or respond to these recommendations. So whether or not you think they needed to see change at the top of the pyramid of the Tigers and remove the chairman or remove the CEO, was this the right way to go about it? He said, it's well, it's a knee-jerk reaction. Basically, a knee-jerk reaction to a petition signed by 2,000 disgruntled fans after that Tigers lost to the Cowboys 74-0. So, yeah, it's understandable fans would vent their displeasure. But as Lee said, for some reason, the Holman-Barnes group, which is the controlling faction on the board, embarked upon a review feeling compelled to do so. Is this the tail wagging the dog? He called it an ill-conceived publicity drive, which boxed them into position, which left them with no alternative but to accept the recommendations that were made, which, as I understand, included the dismissal of the entire board. So there you have it. There you have it. And I want to get your thoughts on that today. I want to hear in particular, I won't make any particular judgment on this. I'll defer to Tigers fans. Just tell me, what are you feeling? How do you feel about your club? Is this a clean air that you need to go forward? Was this inevitable? Did this need to happen? Are you now, off the back of the resignation of Justin Pascoe and the dismissal of Lee Hadjipan, tell us, confident that the fortunes of the Tigers improve? And the other question there is, Shane Richardson, now the interim CEO, well, how long is he going to last? Barry O'Farrell back in the chairman's role after briefly serving there in a previous life. But he's doubled down. He doesn't pull his punches. And to his credit, Lee, he always goes on record. And this was interesting. Those close to Marshall, according to Michael Chambers' report, who requested anonymity, have told the Herald that he raised concerns about the predicament of the club, with Hadjip Pantelis also confirming he had spoken to Marshall following his removal from the board. So Benji not happy with this upheaval. They have, in my view, created great harm to that club, in particular the football department, even more particular Benji. They've removed from Benji his support system, which involved Justin. They've worked extraordinarily hard together for months to put together a football department, coaching structure and roster that will turn things around for the club. And Lee was very proud of the pathways that they've implemented. So there you go. Talking about the disruption of this dismissal. It remains to be seen. The proof is in the pudding. Let's see how the season now plays out for the Tigers. But 0457 736 736... West Tigers fans, I want to hear your thoughts today on what happened yesterday. Are you happy with the process? Do you care that he wasn't given a chance to respond to these recommendations, that they never got to see it? Or does the outcome, if you're happy with the outcome, justify the process? one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. that is the open line number. The text line over 0457 736 736. So over to you, Tigers fans. Over to you. Now, still on league, this is great news. Ezra Mam is set to reject interest from six NRL rivals, including Wayne Bennett's Dolphins, an Inca Broncos mega deal that'll make him Brisbane's next $1 million man. Gun player, 
hat-trick in the grand final. So the Broncos are on the verge of a Christmas bonus. The Dolphins failing in their poaching bid as Mam closes in on signing one of the richest deals in Brisbane's 35-year history. And, and I always said, you know, with, with Luite Penrith or Mam at the Broncos, you want to see them stay. You want to see him become a legend there at Red Hill. Because there were fears, too, that the Broncos could be blown out of the water by monster rival offers for Mam. Because they've also had to upgrade Reese Walsh, extend Adam Reynolds for another 12 months in 2025. They've lost Flegler. They lost Farnworth. The Dolphins had upped the ante. And I know Wayne Bennett's going to be handing the reins over to Christian Wolfe, but he's got a lot of appeal, the master coach. But Brisbane's grand final hero, Pete Bedell and Travis Mayne, across all things Brisbane, will not walk out on the Broncos. Man looks to snap the club's 18-year premiership drought next season. So the Brisbane Broncos tabled a multi-year deal to Ezra Mam. Understood NRL rivals can't seriously exceed the terms put forward by Brisbane's by Brisbane Chiefs. He's such a wonderful player, so exciting to watch. In fact, Brisbane are the best team of the comp to watch in terms of the footy they play. So it looks like Ezra Mam will remain at Red Hill, which is good to see. And I'm, you know, obviously a Dragons fan. If you decided to wear the red V, happily you'd take him, of course. But the romantic in me, when it comes to sport, likes to see players remain at clubs long periods and etch their names in the history of those clubs. Uh, St. George Illawarra have officially offered Adam Fenua Blake a four-year, $4.5 million deal to join the club from 2025. So there you go. He's put his cards on the table, Shane Flanagan. Further to that, added a bit of depth to his back line. He signed former Queensland origin player Corey Allen for the 2024 season. I think that's a handy depth signing. Corey Allen was without a contract after his deal with the Roosters expired at the end of 2023. Actually played some good games for the Chookies too. So Corey Allen will now join the Dragons for pre-season training. 0457 736 736. Already these texts are starting to come through, flying through from Tigers fans. And as mentioned, I'll catch up with Balmain legend Gary Jack in about 15, 20 minutes' time in the program to get his reaction to the turmoil in Tiger Town yesterday. Now, this is really fascinating. Now, I'll speak cricket with Alex Doolan. So all the talk about David Warner, you know, the double hundred, but he's not getting any runs in the last two years and he's he's Average has fallen off a cliff to the point where Mitchell Johnson said, well, how come he's still in the side? Ed, Ed Cowan as well said it's legitimate to say, well, you know, why is he still in the side? His former opening partner. But this has sort of been glossed over. I've had this discussion with my brother a fair bit. Malcolm Conn's touched upon it in the nine papers today. As David Warner prepares for his last test series with a slowly fading average, are Steve Smith's numbers suggesting... He's heading the same way. This is this uncomfortable conversation that no one wants to discuss because Smith has been touted as the best since Bradman. The average, you think about 2019, that average that got over 60. Freak, no doubt is a freak. So he picks himself. And all of a sudden you go, well, hang on a minute, he's, he's not churning out 100 after 100. And yeah, understandably, and we saw this with Tedesco, he's coming off such an incredibly high benchmark that anything remotely below that is seen as some kind of failure. So this three-test series against Pakistan, of course, it begins in Perth tomorrow. And park the dial, too, on 11.70 for our Sydney listeners, the best place and the best team in the business. Uh, this three-test series, as we said, starts tomorrow. It's going to draw a line under Warner's time in the baggy green. But I wonder if it's a defining series, too, for Steve Smith and whether he retains his best since Bradman moniker. Or if Smith fails, if he scratches out 20s and 30s, doesn't get another 100. More and more people are going to talk about this downhill run. And it happens to all of them. It happened to Ponting, which is quite marked. 
And he admitted himself, Steve Smith, that he hasn't performed the way he would have liked in 2023. But he said, you know, he's very confident in his own ability. I don't have to reinvent the wheel. And I performed at a high standard for a long period of time and below the standards that I want. I get that. I get that. But every batter who all of a sudden, when they hit their mid-30s and not offering the returns that they did at the peak of their powers, are going to say, well, I'm still feeling good. I'm still braining them in the nets. Like David Warner, who was never a big net man, had doubled his time, worked doubly hard in the nets for diminishing returns, and the strike rate was lowering. You can't beat Father Time. Smith averaged 29 on the India Tour, had the century in the World Test Championship at the Oval, averaged 37 in the Ashes, 34 during the World Cup. And the thing about rare exceptions like Alan Border, who averaged 10 runs per innings better overseas, most players, as you know, have better numbers at home. So Warner, 58 at home, 32 away, that's huge. Smith is 65 at home, 50 away. I mean, it's serious figures. But he's 34, Stephen Peter Devereux. And he's at the same stage of his career when Warner's numbers began to slide. Do you remember that 2019 Ashes Tour? He was hitting 65, an average 65. 774 runs at 110 in four tests, like frightening numbers. His average has now dipped to under 59. You look at the average, go oh, under 59, it's, it's enormous, and it is. But we're looking at trends here. We're looking at trends. And I always felt that, particularly after archery, he, he expended so much mental energy in that 2019 series. I feel he's never been the same player. Still very good, but never been the same. And then you think about Ponting, right? who before Smith was considered Australia's best since Bradman. Ponting's average shot 60 and then a sharp decline under 52. So I'm just saying that there's a nice little, well, not nice, but there's a, a, a sub-narrative to go with this series. Everyone's talking about David Warner and he's going to wrap up his test career, but Smith, 34. If Smith doesn't get runs in this Pakistan series and then say even, for example, the West Indies series, do we reassess him? In terms of, well, no, I won't say that because he is, he is one of the all-time greats, but do we start asking further questions about his position in the side? It's an uncomfortable com- conversation. I'm not saying that he's in any danger, but at what point do we have the same conversations about Steve Smith as we've been having about David Warner? 0457 736 736. Still on cricket, Brisbane Heat. They've got off to a flyer. Well done to them. Continued their undefeated start to the Big Bash season. 20 to run win over the City Thunder in Canberra last night. Colin Munro continued his good form with about 46 from the opener. They bowled well too. Uh, Chris Green, the captain, 30 off 20, is a bit of a late order flurry from the Sydney Thunder. A six for 80 at one stage, pursuing seven for 151. So now 2-0, oh, of course, they had that washout. Their second clash against Adelaide. Uh, 35 to Wally Davies for the Thunder. Near recruit Cam Bancroft hit 25. And as for the Heat, their middle order all chipped in with some runs. Nice to see the Risties get amongst the wickets. So Mitch Swepson, man of the match, two wickets. Tanvir Sanger, three wickets. Three wickets. Now, I did mention we'll talk to the Optus Stadium curator uh, later on in the program today. So a couple of days out. This was yesterday. Uh, it's clear it's going to be a bit different, this pitch. There was a photo I saw, uh, less probably less grass than you'd expect two days out, but it's going to be interesting. It's going to be really interesting to see. It's one of those things, and I'll speak to Alex Dill, and I, I still think you, you win the toss, you bat first. But now there's chat that he might even take a bit more grass off the top. And he said, you know, my theory is to have a bit harder on the top, a little bit less grass, and see what impact that has on the game. 
I love all this pitch tool. All of a sudden, people that don't know anything about pitches, they say, look at it, oh, no, that's a bat versus a bowl first. Oh, that's going to crumble day five. Everyone becomes an expert, don't they? That's the beautiful thing about being a sports fan in this country. We're all experts when the time comes. Just remember the voice debate, Alex. Everyone's a constitutional expert. COVID, we're all experts on serious contagions and diseases. 0457 736 736. It's going to be fascinating because Sean Masood, who's the new captain, he's a real attacking player, had a good series win, 2-0 against Sri Lanka, but they're going it over five and over. He's a bit of a basball disciple, Sean Masood, and I hope they bring that aggressive mentality because whatever they've tried previously hasn't worked because Pakistan haven't won a test match here since 1995. In fact, they've only won four test matches in their history since first touring in the late 60s. It's a real home and away numbers right there. Real home and away numbers. Now, one more thing on cricket, and you may have seen this. It's going to cause a bit of a stir I would suggest for those who say sport and politics don't mix, because Usman Khawaji, may have seen the photos, is planning to wear shoes during the Perth test against Pakistan on Thursday that are emblazoned with slogans supporting Palestinians caught up in the fighting in Gaza. He's a proud Muslim, we know, deeply affected by the distressing scenes emanating from Gaza since that October 7 Hamas attack that resulted in Israeli retaliation. And if you follow his social media, he shared videos and photos from the conflict. He's wearing these shoes that read, freedom is a human right, all lives are equal. He wore those at the training session yesterday. You may have seen them. And he confirmed that he does intend to wear them on the first day of play. Now, it's going to be fascinating because there are rules in and around making political statements here. 2014, Mo and Ali, the England all-rounder, was asked to remove wristbands with the phrases, save Gaza, and free Palestine. This was during a test match against India. The ICC match referee at the time was David Boone. And at the time of this Moeen Ali episode, an ICC spokesperson said the ICC equipment and clothing regulations do not permit the display of messages that relate to political, religious or racial activities or causes during an international match. So Moeen Ali was told by the match referee that while he's free to express his views on such causes away from the field, he is not permitted to wear the wristbands on the field of play and warned not to wear the bands again during an international match. Cricket Australia at this stage, according to Dan Bredig in the Nine Papers, um, has been contacted for comment. The ICC has declined to comment. But I just wonder, getting ahead of this, is a smart man, Usman Khawaja. Freedom is a human right. All lives are equal. That's pretty generic. That doesn't necessarily say you're going one way or the other, does it? Doesn't mention the word Palestine at all. Are you okay with this? Does it upset you? Does it make you feel uncomfortable? It doesn't, I've got to say. If, if Usman Khawaja wants to wear a set of boots that say freedom is a human right, all lives are equal, I've got no problem with that. I, I just honestly don't see how that is offensive. I don't see how that is offensive. You may have a different thought on that. 0457 736 736, the text line number. Boy, there is so much on the menu. Uh, the Tigers fans, I want to hear from you today. Are you happy? Are you sad? Are you indifferent? about the goings-on at Tigertown yesterday, the removal of Lee Hatcher Batalis, in fact, the entire board, and the resignation of Justin Pascoe. Is this the clean air that you're hoping for? And what do you predict now for the Tigers in the next one, two, three, four, five, ten years? I'll speak to Gary Jack shortly on the program. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. that is the open line number. Up and running this Wednesday morning, Jules on Summer Mornings.
Jules in on summer mornings, 0457 736 736. Our cyclone Jasper Loons, I think it's just off the coast of Cairns and Queensland. Where did they come up with these names, Maestro? Jasper. Remember years ago, I think it was off WA, they had Cyclone Vance. Now, I think cyclones are meant to be threatening. It's cyclone Vance. And these don't even be female names, and now I think they can have boys' names and girls' names. Cyclonic events at Tiger Town yesterday, 0457 736 736. Uh, morning, Jules. Says happy bowler. As a Tigers fan, couldn't have come quickly enough. It's a great Christmas present for all of us. Greg from Campbelltown. Goodbye to the clowns. Finally, the West Tigers have done something right. Well, the thing about it is, and and ask you this, and I I make no comment either way because I'm not privy to the inner workings of the West Tigers football club. I'm a Dragons fan, of course. So watch this from afar. So those that are more emotionally invested in it, I want to hear from you today. But okay, so if you think this was a necessary change, and I'll speak to Gary Jack shortly in the program, uh, what next? Why will this and how will this change make things better? It's, it's a genuine question, which I don't know the answer to. G'day, Jules. This goes way back before the Cowboys game. The place has been a mess for a long time. A fresh start is a good thing. New front office, new coaching staff, new centre of excellence, uh, trading the bus for a private jet, the best thing for a long time now. All we need is one home ground. Well, that's something I'll discuss too with, with Gary Jack in terms of the Tigers' identity. Where are you located at the moment? Got a centre of excellence in Concord. Is your future there in the southwest of Sydney, though? Jules, I'm over the moon. Lee and Justin couldn't run the ship. The start of a new era. I can't wait, says Tiger Davo. And we've seen a similar uh, thread of emotion, haven't we, since this news broke? Pretty much everyone's saying, this is a good result. This is what needed to happen. Dan, the West Tigers over the last 18 months have reminded me of the Monty Python dead parrot skit. At least the salesman and supporters behind being the customer. A fish rots at the head. It had to happen. Pascoe was there 11 plus years. Lee in four years. Surely you keep selling a dead parrot. Thank you, Dan. Uh, J-Man. Morning, team. Any chance you can send the Holman Barn script to Wollongong for the weekend, says Port Adelaide Track. <laughs> Always got to get a St. George angle in, don't we? A St. George Illawarra angle in. Thank you for that, Port Adelaide Dragon. And this one here, uh, BJC from Blacktown. Jules, if Lee's acting the way it shows, it was the right move. Good luck to the Tigers in 2024. So 0457 736 736. Plenty of people having to say about the goings on at Tigers Town. We'll get to the news headlines. I'm going to catch up with Gary Jack. Suffice to say, I think he agrees with our texters. But further to that, I want to ask Jimmy too, okay, where to from here? You know, if this was what was necessary, how are you going to make these changes worthwhile? Gary Jack after the news. Julian King of the Chair, summer mornings, 0457 736 736. A tumultuous day at the West Tigers yesterday. The entire board dismissed Chief Executive Justin Pascoe, also resigned from the club. Now, this followed from an independent review into the club's governance, after which a restructure was officially endorsed by the shareholders on Monday night. The review was ordered by the Holman Barnes Group. That is the controlling faction of the Tigers board. It's conducted by former NRL Chief Financial Officer Tony Crawford, as well as businessman Gary Barnier. And that has ultimately resulted in the directors ratifying their own exits as part of the restructuring. So Lee Hadjapantelis, chairman, gone. Justin Pascoe, resigned. Ex-New South Wales Premier Barry O'Farrell has now been installed as interim chairman, replacing Hadjapantelis, while former South Sydney CEO Shane Richardson, who will be on Sports Day later on this afternoon with Scotty Sattler, uh, he has become interim chief executive, both on initial six-month terms. A lot of happy Tigers fans, it must be said, on the text line today. Gary Jack, a Balmain legend. Pleased to say he's on the line right now. Morning, Jimmy. G'day, Julian. Thanks for the invitation for your program today. My pleasure. Your reaction? 
Um, look, I have to congratulate the Holmes uh, Barnes group on that decision. Look, it wouldn't have been an easy decision to make. And also that the couple of thousand Tigers fans who signed a petition that started this whole thing um, at the end of the season, look, I think they got it right. Uh, enough is enough. Uh, you've got to only look at the results over the last five years, mate. Uh, 9th, 11th, 13th, 16th, 17th. It's just not good enough. You talked about the petition. You know, Lee was critical of that. You know, was it a case of the tail wagging the dog or, or is this people power prevailing, Gary? I think this is people power prevailing. You know, clubs were owned by, by, by members, really, but it's a different structure at the Tigers. Uh, and, and, you know, so that sort of stuff doesn't come into play. Uh, it's sort of run by 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 the front office, um, not not actually by the fans, whereas fans would come in and vote in the old days and select the members. Um, I think what's really important is, and Jack Gibson said a great quote, and it's 40 years ago, Julian, but, you know, he's, winning starts Monday and it starts in the front office. And things haven't changed in 40 years, mate. That's, you know, premiership coach, they're 81, 82, 83 at Parramatta. Our front office just hasn't been good enough um, for, for a number of years, you know, and it's culminated in what we see. Uh, I remember Tim Sheens, when he came to the club, uh, in 2021, when he was general manager of football, uh, and he was also appointed by the board and the CEO and the chairman uh, when he was appointed as the general manager of footy. He said, everyone is accountable at this club for their results. It's a performance during business. It's about wins and losses. Well, we finished last in 2022 and 2023, but somehow the chairman and the CEO still think that they uh, deserve to be there. I think that's laughable. Okay, was there one particular incident or was it more a culmination of things over, you know, a decade or so that that meant this change had to happen? So why did this need to happen? Uh, well, the, the results, it's a results-driven business. You can't finish last and last. We've turned over so many coaches in the last four years, I think six coaches in four years or four coaches in six years, and yet the people that put these people in positions, the CEO, the board and the chairman, they still retain their positions. They're still there. Like They're, they're unaccountable to anyone. As I said, Sheen said, it's a performance-driven business. Everyone's accountable except for the chairman and the CEO. And that, I think Hedger Pantelis has been there, what, four or five years? Or five years. And, um, and Pascoe has been there, what, eight years? It's been the worst era in the club's history. So you know, change had to be made. Like it, Change is all about... Footy clubs are all about culture. You know, it's a, it's a generational thing. Culture is passed down from players to the next players, and it's also passed down from administrators to the next gen of administrators. And it's it just it's terrible at the Tigers. There had to be a line drawn in the sand. Um, good on the, the Holmes, uh, Holman Barnes group for doing what they've done. That line is in the sand. That what's happened is just not acceptable to the fans, to the, to, to to anyone that's involved with the club. Uh, enough is enough, and it had to finish. Uh, just putting aside for a moment, Gary, whether change had to happen, do you think the process was, was hastily done? Because this is uh, this is stuck in the craw of, of Lee. He said, we were never paid the respect to have been involved or consulted as to the review. They weren't engaged or informed as to the results of the review or the re- recommendations. Uh, surely they should have, though. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I'm sure there's been plenty of sacks and coaches that have been sacked over the last four or five years that weren't given much of an opportunity to um, to stand their case. They were just terminated. So, uh, you know, sometimes what goes around comes around, you know. Okay. This is no silver bullet, though, is it? So people might say, okay, well, this is the first of many no. steps forward. So what 
needs to happen next for the West Tigers? Well, look, you've got a guy called Shane Richardson and Barry O'Fowles come back as the chairman. Um, you know, Shane Richardson has got a proven track record. He's been at South, he's been at Penrith, he's been at Hull FC. He turns clubs around, you know, and, and so that's what you want someone leading from the front. He won't cop the crap from the players, you know. He won't crap any crap from, from people that are working under him. So he's a tough administrator. He's got proven results. So that's the first thing. And I think, I think there's a distinct conflict of interest when you're the chairman and you're also the major sponsor too. I think that's, you know, that's a very, uh, someone too, that's a, it's got plenty of, plenty of hair on it, you know. It's a very hairy area. So to have a complete breakaway from the chairman with Barry O'Fell, I think that's a really positive sign for the club. He's been there before. He understands the club. So I think those things set in place will, will set the club up for, for, for a better future than last year. And all Benji's got to worry about is just coaching the footy team. Mate, that's all he's... Don't worry about the politics, Benji. Just go out there and coach the footy team and make them better. Yeah, make them better players and a better club, and all the fans will love him for doing that. That's his role. That's all he's got to do. There's always politics, isn't there, in a merged entity? And so this animosity reported between you know, the Tigers and the Magpies, that doesn't all of a sudden mm. just dissipate. Your separate teams, I think, at flag and ball level, New South Wales Cup side, still the Magpies, the debate over, uh, I guess, where your geographical identity is, Gary. So there's still a lot of work to do in that mm. respect. In your opinion, mm. uh for the Tigers to survive and thrive in the future, what do they need to do to, to marry up these two entities better? Yeah, yeah. look, they, they do. And it's been there since they started back in, back in 2000. You know, I think there needs to be, there needs to be um, more games at, at, um, at, at Campbelltown and even more games at, at Leichhardt Oval. And Leichhardt Oval is probably the spiritual home of the Tigers. Um, they need to respect that. Um, and, and talk about, you know, you've got Concord, you've got the Centre of Excellence, which is sitting there, there five miles from, from Leichhardt Oval. I think that's going to be their, their geographical centre, so they need to concentrate more games in that area. Around Leichhardt, you say? Around that, yeah, around that Leichhardt area. And obviously, you know, the, the growth is going to happen. There's growth out west. You know, it, it's, it's a bit of a delicate situation, but... The, you know, the, the, the spiritual home of the Tigers, I, I have no doubt, uh, is is um, is at Leichhardt Oval. You know, they don't play at Lidcombe anymore. That was the home for the Magpies for a long time. So uh, Leichhardt, it's a great home ground. I just don't think that they play enough there. And use that as a home ground advantage. Um, you know, when you're only playing three times a year there, it, it, you don't take advantage of that advantage that you've got. Lee Hatchapantelis appeared on Breakfast with Vossi and the Missile this morning and he's a sponsor of the station. He has a, a regular spot and, and he was afforded the chance to, to speak and he was asked about his achievements and, and he's happy with the pathways that they've implemented and he cited, of course, uh, the Centre of Excellence built and uh, ensuring the club's in a better financial position. Uh, is there uh, what, What's the legacy of Pasco? firstly? He's been there for almost a decade and then and Lee for about five years. Oh, uh, look, I mean, uh, what's their legacy? Um, yeah, it's oh, a tough question, mate. You know, it's a results-driven business, mate. And if the results start get there, then it has to be changed. And um, you know, you can't have people in key positions where results aren't happening. So um, disappointing. It's a great honour to be the chairman of, of any club. Uh, Lee, he tried his hardest. There's no question. He tried his hardest. Uh, when he was the chairman, 
Yeah, but you know, it's probably not coming from a football background. It's different to coming from maybe a legal background. Footy clubs are a different different culture again uh, from from where he's from. So, um, it, but he tried hard. You know, he tried hard, and I'll give him credit for that. Uh, just to matters on the field quickly, Jimmy. Before we let you go, you would have read about uh, the dispute between <laughs> Nofaluma and and the club and issues about welfare yeah. and fitness and the rest of it. I mean, uh, I, I don't know if you know any yeah. more than the rest of us do. And you know, it, it, I had this discussion with Matt Russell on Sunday. The whole thing, if you just take a step back, and I'm not a Tigers fan, Gary, but it just seems sad. You know, mm. a, a hundred, the greatest try scorer for the club, he's got a hundred career tries. He should be a club legend, but he doesn't seem to be perceived that way at the moment. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't seem to be. Um, you know, as a player, as you get older, I, I think their workload, there's two ways to look at it. Look, you could lead by example and go out there and lead the 400s, or lead the 200s, or, you know, it should be maybe scaled back because he is, you know, 31, 32. Um, so it, it's a, I think player welfare comes in too. Back in my day, mate, you just, it didn't mm. matter what you, whether you're 31 or 35, you just, just ran and ran and ran. And that's just how it was. I mean, there's a lot in it for him as, as a, as an experienced player there, to lead by example and say, okay, I don't like it, but I'm doing it. I know it's tough. I know it's very hard, but this is what we've got to do to change the culture of the joint. Um, if I can do it, follow me. Um, even though I'm on the wing, <laughs> follow me <laughs> and let's get this club back in order. Because, you know, yeah, wingers are the ones like yeah, winger in, Johnny Davidson and Russell Gartner, they hated winger in because they get belted. Because yeah. they're paid spectators on the wing. <laughs> they're paid spectators. So, so he, he's leading by example. So I think that's what he should do. Uh, as a as a club legend, like as you said, with a hundred tries, that's a remarkable effort by any player. So he should he should just bite the bullet and turn up and train and, and lead by example. That's the best thing he can do. Yeah, I wonder how the walk would have dealt with it back in the day. Hey, Jimmy, and uh, oh, uh, oh, <laughs> that's one for another. Well, the walk, yes. uh, very or, or AJ. There you go. Well, okay, less said about <laughs> AJ, the better at the moment. And just very quickly, of course, you, you famously donned the one number one jersey. I mean, how exciting is this, Jareem Buller? Yeah, he, he's a great prospect. Uh, what's he, 19, 20 years of age? Uh, he came on last year, and wow, I was just amazed at what he could do. He's a player, obviously, that they've kept. They're signing down for a three- or four-year deal. Jareem Buller is going to be a superstar. Look, he's going to be a superstar, but there's lots of you know players going to this and going to that. He's got to do it. Obviously, he's got to keep his feet on the ground. You know, he's worked hard. He's a, he's a great defender, you know. You don't see too many fullbacks that are great defenders as well. The number of tries he saved this year for the Tigers was fantastic, you know. Um, so he's he's only going to get better and better, better, and better for them. And I'm excited to, to watch him play and... Um, yeah, he's a real superstar of the future, Julian. Gary Jack, thank you so much for sparing some of your time on the program this morning. No problem, Julian. It's really nice talking to you and all the Tigers fans out there. Things will get better. I'm sure they will get better. Um, it's just a, it's a transition. It's a line in the sand, and it, but it's a real positive for the club. There he is, Tigers legend Gary Jack. We have flown in this first hour of the program. Julian King in the chair for Matty White this Wednesday morning, uh, 482 on the text line. Well said, Jimmy. Yeah, some positive feedback. With regards to my chat with Balmain Tigers legend Jimmy Jack, I mean, he's pretty much on the same page as all the Tigers correspondents I've got on the program this morning saying this is a sea change that needed to happen. And I said, I make no no comment either way about whether this change was necessary. I thought the process was flawed. I'm with Lee on this one, but I'm not a Tigers fan, so I'm not emotionally invested in the club, but I know a lot of Tigers fans and that have texted me and said, look, I think we needed a change. Not necessarily a knock on Lee or Pasco personally, 
but more a case of, well, you know, it's the whole hitting your head against the wall, expecting different results kind of thing, doing the same thing. And they have presided over a decade of, let's not sugarcoat it, failure at the club, have not made the finals for a decade. Luke Brooks, been around for 10 years, haven't played finals football. Churning through the coaches. And these things are difficult. You don't always get it right. But I think the future is going to be bright for the West Tigers and not just because of this change. West Tigers need to be playing out of Campbelltown as well to counter soccer and Aussie rules. I think that's their future. I know Gary Jackson, you know, the spiritual home Leichhardt. I don't mind taking a couple of games back there, but I think their future lies in the southwest of Sydney. And people still see them. This is the thing with merged clubs. You still see them as predominantly one club. They're still seen mainly as Balmain. They're the Tigers. You see the orange. People are saying, well, hang on, what about West? Likewise, the Dragons. But they are a merged club. And West have all the money too. Their future lies in Campbelltown. Speaking of David Nofaluma, uh, Lee Hatch-Pantelis, I didn't realise this. I was listening to their chat with Vossi and the Missile, and I urge you to go back and have a listen to what Lee had to say. But he uh, knows David Nofaluma very, very well, and this was his assessment of that situation. He's found himself in a very challenging and difficult place. There's no doubt. I think the boy's lost at the moment. I think he has all the talent and ability in the world. I think he just needs to focus. At the moment, he's not towing the line. At the moment, he has proven somewhat difficult to manage expectations. There has been some miscommunication, but Benji is instilling, as I say, a benchmarking and a standard that he wants to enforce, and David's just got to come on board. There's no two ways about it. He's got it in him to do it. I know the kid. Definitely got it in him. He's got this still got the ability. He's only just turned 30 years of age. He's got two years left on his contract with the West Tigers, and there's no reason why David can't turn it around. And I'll be doing whatever I can to encourage him in that regard. So there you go. So he, to an extent, he's gone into bat for David Nofaluma. Great guy. Helped out his his daughter. Close friends with the family. He's a wonderful person. But yeah, he needs to pull up his socks. This is Benji's team now. This is Benji's team. I wish them very well. I don't dislike the Tigers. In fact, I've got a lot of time for the Tigers. And Tigers fans are everywhere. Are everywhere. They're a popular team. They're a high-rating team. And they deserve to be back knocking on the door of finest football. Oh, how they'd yearn for another ninth-place finish. Oh, how they'd yearn for another ninth-place finish. 0457 736 736. You're on Summer Mornings. Welcome back, everyone. Second hour of the program. Great to have your company this Wednesday morning across the listening network. Julian King and for Matty White for Summer Mornings on SEN 1170 AM in Sydney. Welcome to our Queensland listeners, SENQ 693 in Brisbane, 1620 on the Gold Coast. Just ticked over 9 o'clock your time. And, of course, to our listeners right across the globe. In fact, right across the galaxy. Mulchy via the SEN app. That's how good the reception is. You know, out through the Milky Way. 0457 736 736. We've got a thousand text messages, a lot of them on the Tigers. A bit on the cricket, so there'll be plenty of cricket content in this hour of the program. We'll catch up with Alex Doolan, former Australian cricketer, get his thoughts on the first test tomorrow to hear everybody live right here on SEN with Jared Waitley and the team. And later on this hour, I'll catch up with Isaac McDonald. He's the Optus Stadium curator. And I'll ask Isaac what sort of pitch we can expect. And you know, if you win the toss, Isaac, what are you going to do? Going to bat first, going to bowl first. And, and the thing, more, more broadly speaking, of course, we think about pitches over in the West and the WAC and how hard and fast and bouncy now that they play test matches at the adjacent Optus Stadium. Do you still try and replicate those wacker conditions? And that's a beautiful thing about test match pitches Australia-wide and indeed worldwide is that, you know, whatever the city, they all have their unique characteristics. So Sydney always had the reputation of being the, the spinner's wicket, even though that's changed a lot over the years. Adelaide was the... 
Batsman's Paradise. That would spin on the final day. Perth, of course, fast and bouncy. You know, Brisbane, green in the first session, but beautiful batting deck. Still probably the best pitch in the country. And then Melbourne. Uh, traditionally, the MCG sort of had that reputation of that kind of trampoline bounce. So I'll ask him too about, you know, whether you know, these characteristics of Perth pitch has been hard and bouncy. You know, as part of the DNA of cricket over in Perth, whether that continues now that Test cricket is indeed played in a different venue. To your calls at a moment, Simon, just sit quietly. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 1170 I had my son's school presentation night last night. Now, parents listening, mums and dads this morning know that they are brutal, absolutely brutal. We had to line up in the scorching sun for about 20 minutes, so why can't we just get in the air-conditioned hall? We got there, and then they go through all the awards and the cross-country winner, is blah, blah, and they clap at all the kids. Hey, look, it's their night and nights. So I get that. I get that, and they need to be done. But it is like pulling teeth. And it's sort of like they lock the door. So if your kids are up first, you can't just go. And they have an all-concert, all-school concert at the end, so you can't just leave with your kid because they have to be on stage. Now, you do a head count as well. And then going through the itinerary, okay, so they got all these awards, and they're doing the kindies, and they mix it up. So they don't go one, two, three, four, five. No. Three quarters of the way through before I got to see my son do his little school dance. And they rocked out to a bit of Kenny Loggins, which was great, of course. And he got an award, so congratulations to him. But my goodness, they are tough. They are really, really tough, those nights. Got to be done. And the poor kindies. I mean, this thing wrapped up. Oh, actually, it wasn't too bad, about 9.30, I think. But half of them go to bed at half past seven. Little tackers. I felt bad for them. And you know, if I could be self-indulgent for a moment, I have to wish happy birthday to my darling wife, Melissa. It's her birthday today. She absolutely won't be tuning in. She's actually at work doing parent-teacher interviews at the moment. So she shares her birthday with Taylor Swift, great boxer Archie Moore, the late great Arthur Summons, the golfer Ricky Fowler, Willie won't even go to live. Scotty Sattler, happy birthday to our dear friend Sats. We'll hear him. He's, in fact, going to chat to Shane Richardson on Sports Day later on this afternoon. And here's a blast from the past for cricket fans, particularly fans of first-class cricket and Sheffield Shield. Do you remember Graham Rummins? Played for New South Wales. I think he went to Vicks for a bit. Graham Rummins, if you remember, good player, Rummo. I think from memory, he had to serve a doping suspension for putting a bit of old uh, probenicid on the David Boyle. It's weird what you remember. If anyone out there loves their cricket knows that story, I'm pretty sure that's right. The New South Wales cricketer Graham Rummins. Probenicid on the boil, which was prohibited. Probenicid, prohibited. So there you go. So happy birthday to my wife. It's my birthday on Friday too, by the way, Maestro. What are you getting me? Hey, Just a hug, mate. Just a hug, a pat on the back and a thumbs up. And I share it with Greg Mo Matthews, Tim Webster and Frankie Dottori. Uh, we'll get to Alex Doolan shortly on the program. To the open line we go, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Simon, good morning. Under the bed, you know what I mean? Simon, we got you. Good morning, how are you? Very well. That's all right, mate. Uh, can you give me a couple of seconds? Just a couple of seconds? Oh, it's all right. We'll just yeah, pause the show for you, Simon. Why, why don't we do this, Simon? Well, let's fade you down. I just want to run our listeners through a few things that Justin Langer's had to say. We'll pop you back to the board. We'll tidy that up and you let us know when you're ready to go, okay? I'll, I'll keep Alex Doolan on hold just for you, Simon, okay? Justin Langer. We mentioned how he got trundled out to implore the Western Australian faith. <laughs> Sorry, when you're ready, Simon. When you're ready. Take your time. Yeah, take your time, darling. Uh, and he said, um, you know, come on. Support us. Get out here. Because there were sparse crowds last year, albeit it was against the West Indies, I get that. But it's, you know, first test of the summer, you've got to be better than that. It's like they backed the Scorchers more than they backed the Australian cricket team. And a man that did bleed for the Australian cricket team was Western Australian legend, 
and former Australian coach Justin Langer, and they say they voted with their feet because they weren't unhappy in which in the manner in which Justin Langer departed as head coach from the team and player power and the rest of it. What's fascinating, though, and just hold the line there, Simon, just give me a couple of seconds. Justin Langer said, not a single person has asked me about cricket over the past couple of weeks, and he wrote this in the West Australian. Instead, every question has been around Mitchell Johnson's recent article, I hate it when men from the rare club of playing cricket for Australia air their grievances publicly. I believe in a simple ethos of praise in public, criticise in private. That was a real Alex Ferguson here is there, Jail. I'm inclined to agree, but then he says, in other words, if you want to say something publicly, be positive and use the opportunity to praise the person you're talking about. In contrast, if you want to criticise someone, look them in the eye, tell them how you are feeling. But when it comes to this latest spat between two of my mates, Mitch and Davey, Davey, the only winner is the media machine, which eats this stuff for breakfast. And on and on he goes. But, you know, it's, look, if you're retired and you have a position as a media commentator, I don't believe that it's all hands are off. If you have something to say, then say it. You know, current play shouldn't be immune to criticism, but folk, play, play, play the ball, not the man. And I think that's where Mitchell Johnson heard. And then only afterwards we found out that he got a, a text message, which he took exception to from David Warner. We didn't know that at the time. Because to say that, oh, you know, should Warner really be selected given his poor returns, that is a legitimate question. Just because he's a former teammate doesn't mean he's not entitled to ask it. But it just came across as far, far too personal. From a person who, during his playing days, admitted that maybe the press went a bit too hard against the current crop of players. Okay, Simon, I'm ready for you now. I, I saw... Yeah, Simon, let's rock and roll, buddy. All yeah, right. Hello. Okay, we got you. I'm good. I'm good. Hey, I'm a Mad Dragon supporter like you, Julian. I know. I know. Julian, how are you? Good. I just want to know what's happening. What do you reckon? What's the chance of uh, Fanua Blake and Deedon and Lucy from uh, Lucy Deedon from North Queensland and Fanua Blake from St George? Look, we're speculating. Year, uh, okay, we're speculating. Four-year, $4.5 million off from the table, Fanua Blake. I think the chances of Fanua Blake are very good. I think the chances of Dearden are not so good. And my understanding is his heart still lay in North Queensland. And I think, I don't know, but I think he will come to an agreement to remain at the Cowboys. As for Helam Lukey, I, I have no idea, Simon, but he's an exciting prospect. Yeah, I just thought I'll get your opinion, that's all. Yeah, no, that's okay, all right. Okay, Julian, I know. You're, you're... It's yeah, a mad dragon supporter like me, and we love the dragon. Yeah, yeah. we love them. We love the dragon, I Simon. Go, I hope they go well. So do I. Thank you, Simon. I've got to fly, but yeah, you never know. Look, always back your team. West Tigers fans, always back your team. Anthony, Jules, I'm the die hardest of Tigers fans. Speaking of Die Hard, Christmas movie number one. Uh, around, yes, it's great. The place has had a grenade go through, but it really needs a nuke to go through the place. They need to be relocated to not cut ties with the areas they identify with, but the two clubs that can't and won't get along for the greater good. I've always believed the joint venture clubs are set up to fail, but unfortunately for the powers that be that wanted this, only one failed and the other two got lucky with winning a premiership, which has saved them somewhat. Thank you for that, Anthony. And Jules, project a year forward from now. If the Tigers get another spoon, then what? Joint ventures don't just don't work. I, I don't agree that they don't work, but that's a very legitimate question. And that's what I said to Gary Jack. I mean, this is not the silver bullet. All of a sudden, okay, beautiful. They're gone now. Uh, we can expect to play finals football again. It's not that. These things take time. These things take time. So I just don't want them to get ahead of themselves, Tigers fans.
as though all of a sudden this is the panacea for a decade of woes in Tiger Town. 0457 736 736. Only one more sleep until the first test of the summer. There's nothing quite like it, is there? Australia and Pakistan and Perth, of course, Essien's coverage of the match begins from midday. Australian Eastern Daylight Time tomorrow. Jared Waitley, Adam Collins, Simon Cadditch, Barat Sundarason and Damien Fleming. One man I know will be on the couch with his baggy green on is Alex Doolan. is on the line right now. Morning, Dills. Good morning, Jules. How are you? I'm going very well. Uh, just uh, You would have seen a few pictures of the pitch. It looks, looks pretty green, but it's one of those things where you... You win the toss, you think about it, and still decide to to put some runs on the board. Yeah, I think so. Um, obviously, not being in the dressing rooms, I'm not hundred percent sure. But I always think first test of the the summer, uh, it's nice to control the game. So if you win the toss, you can get in there and bat. No matter what you post, you're still controlling the game, mate. Yeah, I think you're right. You know what was interesting in the lead up to this? Of course, we had the Perth test against the West Indies last year. The crowds are disappointing, and the suggestion was that they're reacting to the departure of Justin Langer as coach. To the point now, Adils, where they've dragged out JL to say, come on, let's get behind this Aussie team, let's fill Optus Stadium. And then Christina Matthews, and I think she's a fight administrator, has said sometimes it's it's like Perth is the forgotten state. And I thought to myself, well, Alex Dillon, I'm sure Hobart's missed out in a handful of tests over the years. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's true. They're parochial, aren't they, the, oh. the WA folk? Um, yeah, look, I think the crowds were disappointing last year. It may have reflected a little bit the calibre of team that we're playing against. The West Indies didn't uh, didn't show up last year, did they? But Pakistan's a completely different unit. They're an exciting team to watch. They've got some very skillful batters, but I think their bowling is is exciting. They're, that sort of rivals the Australian pace attack, doesn't it, with sheer pace. Uh, Shaheen Afridi with his left-arm swingers at 150 clicks. So, I mean, that's some exciting stuff to watch, especially in Perth when you get that pace and carry. If it's a little bit green, they're going to have the batters hopping around. So I'm really excited to watch the battle between our batters and, and their bowlers. Well, we know the class of Babar Azam. Shan Massoud, who's... Returns haven't been that great, but he's a pretty innovative captain. He's a bit of a baseball disciple, so it'll be fascinating to see uh, what he employs tactically. And, and and look, obviously we want an Australian win, but Pakistan haven't won on Aussie soil since 1995. They're a very erratic side, a talented side, although they had a really strong series win recently against Sri Lanka where they played a far more aggressive brand of cricket. I'd like to see that on display because, by and large, yes, we still do want to see a contest. Yeah, we do. Let's hope it comes down to the last hour on the last day with an Australian victory. I'm I'm pretty happy to keep the, the Pakistanis winless in Australia mm. for another year, Jules. But um, look, I think it will be completely different. Um, Pakistan are they're a class outfit. They've both um, sides covered, haven't they? Bowling attack. Their batting is they've got some class in there, but it's probably not as proven as the Australian attack. So. Um, yeah, I think that the bowling's going to be really exciting for Pakistan. I think the batting's a little bit more wait and see, but it's going to be an exciting start over in Perth with that green tinge to the wicket. Huge series for David Warner, isn't it? How much pressure is there going to be on his shoulders? You know, he did say, I'd love to finish at Sydney if I'm selected, of course. I'd be stunned if he's not. Average of 83.53 against Pakistan, averages from four innings under 30 at Optus Stadium. I wonder what the mindset is 
you know, when you can see the finish line going out to bed, going out to bat, is he unencumbered? Is is he feeling restricted with a, still a, a pressure to perform? I just, I'm really curious as to you know, professional athlete, how they think in these scenarios. Uh, look, I don't think there's anything better than a David Warner under pressure. I think history has shown us that every time his back's been against the wall, he's come out swinging. Um, his last century in Australia, I think, I think it was a double where he got himself back into the form. He was really under the pump there. So, um, yeah, I reckon there's a fair bit of pressure on, on Davey. But throughout Davey's career, he's put that pressure on himself with comments in the media or the way he's gone about um, att- not attacking the wrong word, but getting in the face of the opposition to, to put them under the pump. So Davey does that plenty by himself so I don't think the fact that he's coming to the end of his career and the fact that his um, spots on the line is going to put any more pressure on him than he's put on himself in years gone by he's a a proven performer he's one of our best ever players and I'm excited to see what he he shows this test series and I really hope he gets to Sydney and he's able to go out in his own terms. You know what else is fascinating? I read Malcolm Conn's piece in the Herald today about Steve Smith. Steve Smith admits himself that perhaps he hasn't been posting the big scores that we become accustomed to and and they sort of looking at the last two years and you know, diminishing returns, age beats everyone I think as well too duels. Oh, this is a really big big series for the former captain. Yeah, a little bit. I'm I'm smiling a little bit, Jules, because Steve Smith's standards are so much higher than everyone True. else's. So he's probably still averaged 40 in that time, which is a pretty good uh, showing. But yeah, you're right. To his standards, it's, he's been a little bit lean. I mean, but he's coming from such a high marker, isn't he? Where he just posts 100 after 100 and, and big hundreds too. He's always been the one that's gone on once he's passed that uh, 100 mark. So... He has got lofty standards. I'm sure the the amount of cricket that Steve and Davey have played over the last 10, 15 years is eventually going to take its toll. They hardly stop. They they play 12 months of the year. Uh, it's exhausting cricket. Now with the the media exposure, that side of things would be you know very exhausting for them both as well. And they've had some torrid times in, in and amongst that with certain events. So um, yeah, Steve's not going to play forever, but. I think he will certainly get to the point where he's able to call time in his career when he wants to. I wonder if our off-spinner Nathan Lyon's going to play forever. You know, he's as fit as he's ever been, had a bit of a spell, coming back from a calf injury that sustained in Lords or at Lords. Um, didn't get any wickets, I think, in his shield return, but that was a real seamer's deck. But, you know, he's eyeing off 500, the GOAT. Hasn't put a ceiling on when you know, he might call curtains, but he's just he's got this resilience about him, doesn't he, Nathan Lyon? Yeah, he does, and he's he's been bulletproof up until his calf injury. Again, though, he, he's reached an age where those sorts of, if you don't really look after yourself, those sorts of injuries do come to the forefront. But, um, I mean, he loves the game. He's so passionate about playing for Australia. He's still clearly the best spinner, I think, at the moment. So even though he didn't take any wickets in his comeback with New South Wales, I don't think that really matters for someone like Nathan Lyon. He is the GOAT for a reason. Um, and I saw George Bailey was questioned whether they would consider leaving him out and playing the four quicks at, at Perth, uh, which he smirked at. So <laughs> their their plans are pretty clear as far as uh, Nathan Lyon's career goes. Yeah, good luck having that conversation. Nath, listen, mate, we might just uh, give you another <laughs> answer, please. <laughs> You'd have to stop him, wouldn't you? 
All right, before we let you go, give yep. us a prediction. No. Uh, first test at Optus Stadium tomorrow. Oh, look, I think Australia will win. Uh, I think um, I think we'll bat first. I think we'll win probably about 150 runs. I think looking at the wicket, there might be a bit of spice in it for the first day. So I think maybe 250 in the first innings. Uh, but I think our second innings will really cash in, um, put Pakistan to the sword and yeah, just have far too many runs for them to chase, uh, knowing full well that the quality of our bowling attack will be able to defend it. Indeed. It still gets us excited, doesn't it? The very first test of the summer. I know you'll be as invested as all of us are. Alex Dillon, thank you so much for your time on the program this morning. No worries, Jules. All the best. Thank you, mate. There he is, former Australian cricketer Alex Dillon. Great to have your company this Wednesday morning. I'll speak to Isaac McDonald, Optus Stadium curator, shortly on the program. We've just got some football highlights up in the background. Man United have gone down to Bayern Munich. I'll drag Maestro in to chat a bit of Champions League action this morning. Uh, poor Harry Maguire. Looks like he's hurt a part of the body that blokes generally don't want to hurt, uh, judging by the wince on his face and the hobble off to the sidelines. We've well, got a 1,000 text messages. Let's rip through some of these right now. Daniel, Jules, your interview with Gary Jack sums up the systematic issues that have been holding back the Tigers for 23 years. This perception that Leichhardt in the inner west is the spiritual home, it's not. It was the spiritual home of the Balmain Tigers, but not West's Tigers. Different entities, different histories. And that's lost on people. Daniel, they are not one of the same. They are not an extension of Balmain. Instead, the media always goes after old Balmain boys for a comment. How about employing some impartiality? Go interview some actual former West Tigers players, players that pulled on the black, white and gold, not just black and gold. Jack and Elias are not West Tigers great, never will be. But look, in response to that, Daniel, I mean, okay, he's a, a Balmain great, Gary Jack, and they are part of the merged entity. So there's still validity in getting somebody like Gary Jack on, even though he's a Balmain player. Because I can tell you they're all in the box when they won that 2005 grand final. I remember talking to Blocker about it. They were all crying. Junior, they were crying. It still means something to them. But that's not to say that you couldn't drag on, you know, a, a, a Pat Richards, for example. So I take your point. Thank you. 0457 uh, Morning, Jules. Firstly, I want to say I'm totally in favour of the Tigers board and been dismissed. I do want to thank... Both Justin Pascoe and Lee Hatchapan tell us for what they have done. For all the rubbish decisions they have made, I will always show respect for anyone who pumps coin into junior sport. Brighton's lawyers have put in millions, not only to the Tigers NRL club, but also grassroots footy and millions into charities. Pascoe was a major driving force in getting the centre of excellence built. Whilst I believe it was time for both to go, I'm grateful for the positive things they brought into the Tigers. I'm not totally sold on Barry O'Farrell, but Shane Richardson could be the best signing in the club's history. Onwards and upwards for the Tigers. Very good text. Thank you, Brendan. That's the thing. You know, if all of a sudden they fire and these junior pathways are bearing fruit, are you then prepared to say, okay, well, there's something they did right? And he did say, of course, that he was going to honour that final year of the four-year sponsorship term, Brighton's lawyers as jersey sponsors of the West Tigers. He, something of note too, by the way, that he mentioned in his chat with Vossi in the Missile this morning, Lee Hadjipan, tell us the former chairman, he said, well, after the decision was made to remove him and dismiss the board, he said that calls were made to potential sponsors of the West Tigers. So why didn't they just come to me? He said, they use that, that word honour very loosely. I'm certainly going to honour that contract. And Bryden's, yes, they're sponsors of this network here. But thank you. It was a very good text message. I'm a long-time Tigers supporter. Now, a small corporate sponsor... 
for the Tigers. I had a lot of time for Pascal, and even though I was a small sponsor, he knew my name, business name, and family. Genuinely cared. Sad to see him go. Unfortunately, it was the Lee Show. I'm glad he's been dismissed as chairman. He was so smug that he was a protected species when it came to the Tigers board. He went on the record to say that. As a fan and sponsor, I feel or felt disrespected. Now the tables have turned and Lee's getting a taste of his own medicine. 442. So no name on that, but a small sponsor. Time for Pasco, but no time for Lee. So mixed emotions for you today. Thank you for your text message. The last two board upheavals I can remember at the Bulldogs and Parrot, I don't think the Tiger supporters should be holding their breath waiting for a miracle, says Shoalhaven Doctor. And I keep returning to this point. Don't see this as a silver bullet. Hypothetical. What if you get the spoon this year and next year? Then who are you going to blame? Then who are you going to blame? Just on the cricket, uh, Matt says, Usman, it would be nice if he said thanks for places like Israel where can live peaceful Western civilization, free the hostages, uh, idiot. So, Matt, you don't agree. But look, just on the Kawaja thing, is it that offensive that he just says, what does he say? So he basically, you know he's shown solidarity with, with Palestine. There's nothing wrong with doing that. But Usman is going to, although I don't know if it's been ratified yet by the ICC, but Usman Kawaja is going to make a statement on his shoes First test tomorrow, and it reads. I just got to find it again because I forgot what it said. Uh, da, 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 da. It says, uh, "Freedom is a human right. All lives are equal." That's pretty inoffensive stuff, Matt. It's pretty inoffensive stuff. That's all I'm saying. Morning, Kingy. Let Usman wear whatever he wants. Says Rob. Just don't put the cameras on his shoes and don't talk about it in the com box. I don't think they will. Chances are they will put the cameras on his shoes. That way he can wear what he likes. The public can get on with watching cricket. I don't care either way what he wears, nor do I know enough about the conflict in Gaza to have an opinion. So carry on. Don't bring it to light during the coverage. Thank you, Rob. Further to the discussions yesterday about versing. Oh, we're back on this. Uh, why do so many, including a newsroom, say wicket for pitch? I know it's very common, but the bowler's name at the wicket, hit wicket, leg before wicket. I may be pedantic, but that's me. Yeah, look, we've all been pulled up on that. And I confess as well, Martin, to having done that. Yeah, it looks like a good wicket. And the players do too. It's not as offensive as bursting. Shortly, we'll catch up with the Optus Stadium curator, Isaac McDonald, to ask him about the pitch, Martin. Not the wicket, but the pitch ahead of the first test tomorrow between Australia and Pakistan. 397 says, Usman is standing with Palestine, not Hamas, you idiot. Are you calling me an idiot? Because I never said he was standing with Hamas. A lot of people that are pro-Palestine, anti-Hamas, including Jewish friends of mine that are pro-Palestine and anti-Hamas that makes sense and don't like the atrocities going on there. But anyway, uh, let's steer clear of the political chat for the moment. Listening in, Jules, and I want to propose a segment for the summer, King's Uncomfortable Conversations. It's got legs, crime scene. Got very, very, very large legs. Uh, Barnow says, your station have absolutely ridiculed the Tigers for the entirety of the Hatchapantelis Pasco reign, yet you all are beholden to Lee because he sponsors the station and uses the show to toot his own horn. It's years too late for both of them to leave. They've pile-driven the club into the abyss. Well, Barnow, are you saying that if it's too late, what, you're going to leave them there? And yes, we absolutely declare the fact that Lee Hatchpantelis, the Bryden's boss, are sponsors of this station. They're sponsored the Tigers, of course. And he has a segment with Vossi and Brandy every Tuesday, Sport and the Law. We asked him on the program again this morning to reply to all the goings-on at board level yesterday. But to say that somehow we're protecting him is nonsense. I've read out a handful of texts today, critical of Lee Hatchapantillis, 
critical, including the one there from a sponsor who's a Pasco fan, not a Hadja Pantelis fan. So I don't screen anything here. I don't, do not screen anything here. As long as you make your point in a civil and constructive manner and are not rude about it, I'll do my best to read it out. There's no ceiling on opinions here on this program, certainly not in my program. But Lee's entitled to have his say, just as you're entitled to have your say in the text line. If you want to be critical of Lee Hatchapantelis and his reign at the Tigers, by all means, go. Go for it. Greenkeeping Rooster Jules, just on school presentation nights. Do you ever think that taking a hip flask with you last night could have sold a few wishes? I did. Can I just say, a mate of mine, one of the dads, he said, I had a keep cup probably about two hours in. A few parents are thinking, gee, it's a bit late for coffee, isn't it? It wasn't coffee. I'll leave it at that. Uh, and just on that too, uh, Jay, safe to see your face in the place, Jay. So true, Kingy. School presentation nights are a very tough carry, akin to the first hit up in State of Origin. It's just a long night, isn't it? And the round of and the enthusiasm. Isn't that one of the parents? And another round of applause for these wonderful kindergarten. And they're all packed in at the start and eventually some just start to filter outside. Some might go and have a, have a vape or something. They said, I just need some fresh air, stretch the legs. And then my daughter's there. She doesn't like all the noise and she insisted, even though they're, a, they're functional chairs, she just wants to sit on my lap the whole time. It is hard. It is hard slog. And eventually, there's young ones out there going to have kids and though that is a joy that you will know one day. Once a year. Once a year it happens. And look, it's for, like I said, it's for the kids. I understand that. But from a parent's perspective, it just goes on and on and on and on and on. Uh, Jamboree Jet. Do you control the action, Jamboree Jet? Read the Tigers. Streamline the whole mess. Bowman and Magpies emerged 25 years ago. All teams, junior and senior, should represent the West Tigers. Play three retro games, i.e. South Roosters, Eels at Leichhardt. The remainder at Campbelltown. That's where the future lies. Excellent point. Excellent point. You, you can't be half pregnant on these sorts of things. If you've got to be a merged entity, be a merged entity. Eventually we saw, you know, the Dragons and the Steelers come together. So now New South Wales Cup, St George Illawarra, Harold Matz, SG Ball, all the way down the pyramid. A merged entity. You're one club now. It's all well and good to bring your history with you. But you're going to have to find a way to reconcile the two rather disparate histories of those two clubs. And it's certainly not happening at the Tigers at the moment. No, not you, Kingy, the texter. Oh, thank you, Pre-97. Uh, it's, it's all right. You can call me an idiot. My wife's called me much worse. Happy birthday, darling. Bloody keyboard worries annoy me. You solid, Jules. For you, Karen's today, Jules. Uh, keep up the good work, mate. Thank you, Matthew. Um, Jules, you could play that song, Things Can Only Get Better. Better for the Tigers fans, says Berkeley Eagle. Now, things can only get better. Now, you're talking my... You're talking my era here, Berkeley Eagle, because that was the great D-Ream. D-Ream from the 90s. Things can only get better. And the keyboard play for D-Ream was that, that English bloke who's now a, a famous physicist. His name just escapes me. What's his name, Maestro? The one with the, the dark hair. Ah, oh, I should know this. I should know this. But, yeah, the, uh, the physicist, very famous, uber-smart guy, was the keyboard play for D-Ream. Brian Cox, thank you. That's the one, Brian Cox. Uh, cue the outrage towards Kawaja's stance on Gaza. If people are saying Falau should be allowed of you, then so should Kawaja. Don't cry free speech and cancel a view you don't like. Uh, it's pretty innocuous, though. Just celebrating freedom for all. That's a thing. Oh, yeah, I, I just don't see what's so outrageous about a very generic statement on his shoes. I heard that Gus and the dogs have signed the Tigers board on a two-year deal. Cheers, the Bay Dragon. Ah, the question there, though, Bay Dragon, is... Um, do they have enough utility value? 
do they have enough utility value? Great show, Jules. Absolutely love Aussie. Breath of fresh air. However, his boots should be left in the locker. No place for sport and politics, period. Uh, Botany Danny. Uh, I don't know if it's been ratified whether by the ICC whether it can actually wear them at the moment. I gave the example of Moen Ali, who was asked to remove some wristbands. But he wants to show solidarity with Palestine, but he's not actually mentioning Palestine. So it might be a way there to circumvent the ICC code of conduct. 0457 736 736 is that open line number. We'll take another break. On the other side of that, we're going to discuss the Optus Stadium pitch, not wicket, with our curator, Isaac McDonald. Julian King with you. Summer mornings. Back to your texts in a moment on 0457 736 736. Cannot wait. The first test gets underway tomorrow. Australia and Pakistan in Perth. You can hear all the action live right here on SEN with Jared Waitley, Adam Collins, Simon Kadich, Baratson Racing and the entire team. Well, we're all pitch experts, aren't we? At this time of year, we get a glimpse a couple of days out and we say, oh, no, we'll bat first, we'll bowl first. It's exciting. And it says a lot about us as cricket lovers. Isaac McDonald, the curator of Optus Stadium, pleased to say he's on the line right now. Isaac, many thanks for your time. No, pleasure. Good to be here. Uh, do curators get as excited for a test match as us fans? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's something that if we're lucky enough to get a test in, that, in the calendar year, we look forward to for the whole year. Um, yeah, it's like Christmas come early. Uh, you said that you're sort of going to take a slightly different approach when preparing the pitch for the first test. Take a little bit more grass off the top, and you said your theory is to have it a bit harder and a bit less grass to see what impact it has on the game. But just tell us about that thinking there, Isaac. Yeah, it was, it was more to do with the feedback that, that I got uh, from, from last year's test. It just probably held together and went a bit docile uh, towards the end of the game. So a little kind of, I don't know, enhance or encourage a little bit more deterioration towards the back end as well as still having it nice uh, nice and firm and, and really good contest at the start. There's always pressure, isn't there, on producing a really good deck and, and every time there's a poor one and people are concerned about what sort of ICC rating you're going to get, does that sort of, does that ever cross your mind when you're preparing a pitch? Uh... Oh, I'm touch wood. I've never been in a in a situation where I had to think of that. I've always just thought about my process. Mm. Um, I think if you if you go into any prep or you know anything of that nature, um, thinking like that, I think you're probably going to set yourself up to fail. Um, you know, I, I don't think any of the the batters in cricket walk out thinking, "Oh, what happens if I score a duck? What happens if I score a duck?" They're just going to stick to their process and 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 worry about the success, I suppose. We know things can get pretty hot over in Perth. What's the forecast looking like over the next five days or so? Uh, it looks not too hot in Perth weather terms. You know, mid, mid to low 30s is, uh, is pretty comfortable over here. And uh, I think it even touches 29 for a few days as well. So it's, it's not too hot. It's interesting. I think about the traditional whack wickets over the years and the heat and the cracks and the rest of it. And we are just discussing earlier on the program, Isaac, uh, the beautiful thing about pitches in Australia or over the world, for that matter, is the unique characteristics. You know, so Sydney traditionally had this reputation as a spinner's wicket or Adelaide, the batter's wicket. And, of course, over at the Wacker, that, the fast, bouncy pitch. You know, most cricket venues now, Australia-wide, are drop-ins. But is there a... I guess a nod to history that even though you're at a new venue or a newish venue at Optus Stadium, that you try and replicate those characteristics of a traditional Perth Test match pitch, that being hard and fast and bouncy. Yeah, that's that's certainly the aim, and and obviously the the drop in wickets here are made out of the same clay as the Wacker block, 
so it's just finding the best way to get the, the natural characteristics out of our clay to make the best cricket wicket. Do you have much chat with the Australian cricket team with the coach, Andrew McDonald? Uh, not that, of course, they'd say we want this kind of pitch, but do they ever sort of just say, you know, what can we expect? Uh, not really, no. no. They're, they're, obviously, both teams have been in Perth uh, for the past two days and, and they've been visiting the, the wicket and, and just, there's not really been much communication, really. It's, uh, it's I do my job, they do their job mm. type stuff and I think it, I really appreciate it like that. That's, uh, um, and I wouldn't expect anything less. They're professionals and, and to give us the, the time and space to prepare the best service that we can, it makes it a hell of a lot easier. Yeah, it's the way it should be. So, you know, I'm sure you played a bit of cricket back in your day, Isaac. <laughs> way back as a, as, a, <laughs> as a young kid, absolutely. All right, so having a look at this, I mean, if you win the toss, say Pat Cummins wins the toss tomorrow, is it a good pitch to, to go in first and, and set a total? Uh, look, I'm going to leave that up to Pat. And... Okay. And the uh, the other skippers, and just uh, let them let them make their own mind up. I don't uh, don't like to get involved in that. And in terms of the surface, how do we expect it to sort of naturally change and evolve over the five days? I think uh, going off our testing and the testing I've done this morning, I think it's going to start start uh, you know a touch a touch quicker than it did last year. Um, it certainly, it certainly is harder on top, and I'm really happy with the amount of moisture that we've got locked in at a deep level. So I think that'll aid pace and bounce from the, from the get-go. And the other thing um, too, oh, sorry to jump in there, I was thinking about Nathan no, Ryan, right. of course, uh, played his last test at Lords before the calf injury. And Nathan is an off, he's a real overspinner, so he loves the bounce. So it'll be something there for Nathan Lyon? Yeah, I think I think both spinners will be able to, to uh, exploit the, the, the firmness, which often translate in, in some extra bounce. Very much looking forward to it. The first test tomorrow, Australia and Pakistan at Optus Stadium. Uh, best of luck. I look, uh, really hope that the wicket holds up. I'm sure it's going to be a belter. And fingers crossed uh, with the weather gods fine, it goes deep into the fifth day. Thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate your time, Isaac McDonald, the Optus Stadium curator. So, yeah, like you said, traditional Perth characteristics. Hard, fast and bouncy. Just what we want to hear. 0457... 736-736. Happy birthday to your wife, Jules. Must be a wonderful woman. It's my birthday today as well. 21 again. Good on you, Danielle. Happy birthday to you, Danielle. 21. So you're younger than Taylor Swift. You're younger than Taylor Swift. Uh, Illawarra St. George field separate entity below New South Wales Cup. No, you're right. You're right. Corrected me on that. Thank you so much. And I'm disappointed that Jaden Sullivan has left the Dragons. We have Ben Hunt, 34 years old at the start of next season. That is aging wanted out twice. If he gets injured, problem for the Dragons. Dearden sounds like he's staying at North Queensland. I think Jaden will become a top halfback. That remains to be seen, Menai Dragon. He's a tiger now. We've got to move on from him, unfortunately. Maybe Kyle will brain it. Maybe Kyle Flanagan will brain it. I hope he does, because if anyone's going to get the best out of him, it's going to be his old man, isn't it? And Ben Hunt did say, when he fronted the media last week, he said, well, you know, I'm committed to the Dragons. Although the question was, for the next two years, he said, yeah, I am, but... Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Certainly for this year, we'll wait and see. Didn't be nice. He's off the table, it would seem. Ezra Mam is off the table, it would seem. Jerome Luai, I think he'll stay at Penrith. Anyway, that's all water on the bridge now. We'll take a break. Welcome back. Finally, out of the program, the incoming Tigers CEO, Shane Richardson, is speaking to the media. Let's cross there now. A few familiar faces, uh, 
I thought I got away from all this, but I'm back and thrown back into the ditch, so uh, um, I look forward to working with you. First of all, I'd like to make an apology for Barry O'Farrell. Barry's overseas at the moment. I spoke to him on the phone this morning. Uh, he's disappointed he can't be here, um, but he's excited about the challenge like I am, so uh, I'm looking forward to working with him in the future. Uh, I'd like to thank the uh, Board of West Tigers for this opportunity and also the members. No club is there without a membership, a strong membership. And uh, I think that uh, it's really important at the start of this to acknowledge just how important they are to this club and what we're doing and our sponsors, uh, hopefully to give me the support they've given the club in the past. But overall, it's just, uh, you know, it's a, uh, um, an interesting uh, start for me here and uh, I'm looking forward to the challenge. I've always had challenges previously. I've never been at a club yet that wasn't on the bottom of the ladder when I started. So uh, we've managed to win a, make a couple of grand finals and win a couple of premierships. So hopefully we're, uh, we're going to try and set things up str strategically to work towards that goal there. So, look, I don't want to go on any more and more. You all know me uh, for good or bad, and uh, you can actually ask any questions you want. Thanks. So is it the biggest challenge of your career? I think South was the biggest challenge. I mean, South were thrown at the competition, bottom of the ladder, no money, um, you know, in complete disarray. Um, and without the likes of Nick Pappas, uh, who did a wonderful job as chairman and we had to change the board of the club there in a, in a big way, which was a massive change. So, that, And that took a long while because financially we weren't strong, which is not the same with this club. Um, so I think South was a, a bigger challenge than this is because if I look at this club, but you've got a great... Well, for a start, we, had, we didn't have the roster. You've got a roster. Um, you know, whether you're 100% there or not, I don't know, but you've got a roster. You've got a quality young coach who's, who's steeped in the history of the club. You've got financial backing from people that, uh, that you know, is, is fantastic. So you've got a great uh, recent but um, important history. Um, so, like, no, no, South was a tough challenge. Uh, if you look at my career, I've all, I went to Cronulla on the bottom of the ladder in liquidation. I went to Penrith on the bottom of the ladder, Hull on the bottom of the ladder, South on the bottom of the ladder. So I'm one up for challenges. I think Roger Cowan summed it up when I left them after winning the Premiership. Uh, when he said that uh, Richard loves a challenge. And, mate, uh, the bottom line is that I've been in rugby league since I was seven years old from Kanamala. I've been lucky enough to use my, my business background to parlay in to be in rugby league for the last 30-something years as a CEO. Haven't been sacked yet, which is a big thing. I think there's been 85 since I took over, so there's a few on the, on the, on the rails. But, uh, but at the end of the day, it's, it's about I love the game, I love what I'm doing. This opportunity was uh, um, one that if you're going to do the job, whether it was at South... Or at, uh, or at Penrith, you had to have true corporate governance. You had to have a, you know, control to be able to do the things that were required to build the club. Um, and uh, I, I would never have taken this role on if I didn't believe that the governance was in place. Richard, do you want this role long term? Uh, I, I, look, I, I agreed. We sat down and talked about long term, but I said, look, you're putting an interim board in for six months, and we, I've got to work closely with Barry and on that board. I want to have a look closer. I don't want to make, come in with any preconceived ideas. I'd never met any of the previous regime. So I want to come in and have a look at it, see how it's structured and how it needs to be set up. Uh, and then, you know, that's something I'll assess at the end. But no, six months is a, a nice start for it and we can all sort of work towards that. Richard, they mightn't like me, by the way, so at least they don't have to sack me then, do they? Richard, you spoke about the financial support this club's got before. One of those guys is Lee Hatch, and tell us. Yep. Really strong back in this football club. Yeah. been highly critical of the club in the past. Yep. 24 hours. Yep. How is that relationship? Do you have to mend it? Um, and can you stay as major sponsor given what he said? Well, a couple of things. First of all, first of all, I'm not about worrying about what's happened in the past. If we do that, we're going to waste a lot of time. 
And I think wherever I've been, I'm showing you don't linger in the past, you look to the future. And everything I want to do is in the future. As far as um, Bryden's lawyers go, they've been a magnificent sponsor of the club. Uh, they're a sponsor again for next year. Um, they're up behind me. Um, and the reality is we'd like them to stay on long term. That's always a decision for their board to make regarding going forward. But I have, I've, never, I've only met, spoken to Lee on the phone once. I don't know Lee at all. But I'm sure I'll be trying to make some contact with him over the next few months. What do you make of that, what he has said? I don't have no comment on that. I mean, you know, it was, a, it was a traumatic day for everybody yesterday. Um, and I've been through that before. I've been through trauma. There's plenty of trauma at South. Um, so I've lived through that. But I, what I've learned is you can't dwell on the past. You can't react to statements or what people say. What you've got to do is do the job. The, the West Tigers fans are out there, members more importantly, are out there thinking, we just want to win games. We want to win games. So... That's the target we've got to do. And you don't win games by looking back because you've got not a lot to work on looking back at the moment. The show there's obviously big money offers on the table for um, Lou White at the moment and Adam Hill Blake. How much of a priority is that for you to reassure those guys that there's still a good club to come to here? Well, first of all, I'm not aware of the negotiations. I'll meet with Benji uh, over the next day or so. Uh, and discuss what the situation is there. Obviously, I'll have to step in to be part of that negotiation with what Benji wants. Uh, I've made my feelings on Luau well-known for a long time. In my opinion, he was the best young half coming through. He's proven at the highest level as the best young half coming through. Not only that, he's a great team leader. That Penrith side evolves around, revolves around Luau. He is a great person off this field, despite what many media people like to try and make out. He's, you couldn't meet a better person than him. You couldn't ask for a better person in the club. Fanua Blake is obviously one of the top three front rowers in the game. So all those things are added up. But at the end of the day, I'm not across it yet. All I want to do is assist Benji to get put together the best roster possible. And uh, obviously, I'll be reviewing that with Benji. Well, I've dealt with taxpayers, and we did the Redfern Oval through the council with uh, uh, Clover, who really didn't have any interest in rugby league. We managed to put that together and create a great park and ground around it. We put together the High Performance Centre at, at Maroubra, which is involved with the council, basketball, similar facilities here where it's community-based. Now, you, you can sit there and smile about it, mate, but at the end of the day, the reality is we are here to actually do a job to repay the faith that they've put in us, and that's what I intend to do. That's well, we intend... we well, you know, that's, I don't want to comment in the past, as I've said, but what I'm saying to you, it'll be a priority of this club, priority of this club to ensure that we, we repay the favours, repay the, the trust that's been given us by the government. Hey, Richard, just touching on the... Does that answer your question, mate? Thanks. Just touching on the recruitment side of things. If I'm a player, the club hasn't played finals in 12 years, I think it is, the last two wooden spoons. With the greatest respect, why, why would a player want to come here and how can you... Make Make that a compelling case. Why, why did a player want to come to Penrith when I won the wooden spoon and all the senior players had wooden spoons put in, the, in their letterboxes? Why would they want to come to a club where we had to get changed at the ground outside the ground because of the abuse that they copped as we went to the ground? Why would it South when lost every weekend and the abuse and everything else that came up? Why would they come to a club? Both those clubs won premiership because at the end of the day, they want to be part of a, re a building of a club to greatness again. And you cannot put boundaries on that. It, it may take two years with Penrith, it may take ten years with South. But the reality is, every day of our lives, we've got to be working towards achieving that. 
And just on the recruitment front, who gets the final say? Is it you, Benji? Is it Scott Fulton? I will never bring a club to this club. I will never bring a player to this club that Benji Marshall doesn't want. Is it your first item of business to try and, you mentioned earlier, the potentially precarious sponsorship arrangement? Is that one of your first items of business to try and make sure you've got... I, I think that this, this club's, in my opinion, has got an enormous possibility for membership and sponsorship. Uh, I think that sponsors are sitting up there looking at a... Uh, the, the, this club and what they, the decisions they made, which have been very, very tough decisions, but for the betterment of the club, the decisions they've made uh, with myself, hopefully, says to any people out there in the sponsorship world, this is a club you want to be involved with. So that therefore means the decision yesterday... Now you're, are you answering my question now, are you? Are you answering my question? No, you're not asking me a question. You're answering my question. Yesterday's process need to happen to shore up that... I think, well, I don't want to comment on that because what I'm doing then is commenting on the past. I don't want to, all I can say is this, that I don't believe, that I believe that going forward we're in a better position to be able to bring those sponsors in. Richard, you asked about recruitment before. There's been a lot made of relation between Benji and Scott Fulton. Does that need repairing? Do you need to sit down with those blokes I've, and sort I've, it out? I've never met Scott Fulton, never even spoken to him. I've been to his dad over the time. Um, but so I don't know that it's 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 ridiculous for me to even comment on that till I get inside the tent and speak to Benji and Scott and everybody else. It's unfair to single out Scott Fulton or anybody else in this arrangement. It's about building a club that's uh, internally strong and works together, and that's my task over the next six months. So I don't really want to make any comments about individuals. In terms of Benji, um, he's only just started, obviously, in the role. What sort of assurances or support we we need to give him and? And how close you obviously work closely with him, and how close we have to work with him, and how well do you know him, Richard? Uh, I don't know Benji hardly at all. Um, obviously, brought into South on the, on the Wayne's regime, but I wasn't there long enough after that to comment. Um, but everybody who I respect, in Wayne Bennett, the club at South that had dealt with him, um, Blake Solly and, and, and uh, Mark, uh, Mark Ellison, everybody says he's a great, great human being. He's enthusiastic. He wants to win. He wants to be a successful coach. My job's to put everything around him to allow him to be successful because he's the head coach. He's the guy that's got to front up every Sunday. My, my role is to support him in any way I can, and I think I've got a track record of supporting coaches as in, in their roles and choosing the right sort of coaches going forward. So Benji's got nothing but my support. How much of a priority is it to get a guy like Dwayne Willow to a club? Because I wonder, do you feel you need to bring in some big guns to end a 12-year finals drought? I mean, you always want to bring in big guns, but you know, at the, at the end of the days, you, you've, you've got to. The first thing you've got to do is secure your own juniors. The first thing you've got to do is make sure they have a clear pathway forward that's not going to be restricted. If you look at my history with the premierships and grand finals, we had eight um, juniors in the Cronulla grand final side in the Super League. We had eight in the Penrith side in the grand final. And most of them were on like three or four thousand dollars a year. Went on to play for Australia that year, uh, we, we, and we had seven or eight in South. We only had three thousand juniors, so I've got a history of bringing young kids through. You give them an opportunity. On top of that, though, you've got to have people in between that do the job every day, the hard work, battle away, do the job every day, and then you have the cream. And you've got to work out what the cream you've got. We've got we've got some cream players now. But, you know, you, you've got to have the cream. But at the end of the day, if you don't build a base, you can't have the cream. And the cream aren't going to come to you unless you've got the base. So that, that, it's a process. It's not easy. Uh, and it, look, it's great headlines, chasing this player and chasing that player. But at the end of the day, it's what you do. It's not what you talk about. Yeah, we'll leave that there. The incoming Tiger CEO, albeit in an interim capacity, Shane Richardson. And uh, typical 
press conference out of that part of the world. You get the the right under the flight path. So it's a good time to exit that. But Tigers fans, uh, rugby league fans, what did you make of that? You know, he said all the right things and he's a savvy operator in that respect, Shane Richardson. He's never been at a club that wasn't on the bottom of the ladder. And he's turned it around and straight away. And this should be music to your ears. Is it the toughest challenge? No, South's was tougher. So we had no roster, no sponsors. You guys, the Tigers, or us now, you can say, well, you've got a roster, you've got quality coaches, you've got financial backing. This won't be as tough as turning around the Rabbitohs. Well, guess what? The Rabbitohs ended up winning a premiership. So if you turn around Souths, Tigers fans, just off the back of that comment alone, you should be bullish about what Shane Richardson can implement there at your club. To say Souths was a bigger challenge. And he said, look, you wouldn't, wouldn't have taken on the role if governance wasn't in place. So the place is not a basket case, despite how it has been depicted at times during the media. So we'll have a deeper look under the bonnet now and over the next six months. We'll see where he stands in his role, whether he moves on, whether he's sacked or whether he continues. But he says, forget about the past. We look forward. We look forward. He wants to rebuild the club. Interesting question there about, you know, why would someone come to the Tigers haven't played finals football for over a decade? He says, well, you know, the Panthers fans were mailed wooden spoons. Abused, yelled at, likewise in South Sydney, they end up winning premierships. You know, players can see possibility in a club, and maybe that's a carrot there, an incentive for somebody like a Jerome Luai, and he was previously at the Panthers, Shane Richardson, a massive, massive Jerome Luai fan, huge Jerome Luai fan. But on the flip side, he said, okay, well, and he talked about the cream, the top quality players, you need to secure your own juniors. And if I'm a Tigers fan, I'm happy to hear him say, I have a history of bringing young kids through cited the percentage of local juniors when Cronulla made that Super League final in 1997 and again in his work at Penrith and South Sydney. So he wants to rebuild the club. I think there's no reason not to be bullish, not to be optimistic about the future of the West Tigers. But I think despite that, things are trending upwards anyway. Benji, I wish him all the very best. I really do. And he said his role is to support Benji and never bring anyone to the club that Benji didn't want. So they had to work in concert with the coach because at the end of the day, the coach is the one that's got to front up and cop the questions. Not the invisible people behind the scene. So he'll work hand in hand with Benji Marshall to return success to the football field for the West Tigers Football Club. 0457 736 736. Uh, Gavin from Penrith, it's time for the new board to treat the Tigers as a club that was established in 2000, knocked two clubs from 1908, sharing the one NRL licence. Have all teams in their system, including the New South Wales Cup team, playing under the West Tigers banner. By all means, have appreciation days at Leichhardt and Campbelltown as a tribute to the Heritage Clubs and their former players, but everything else should be 100% West Tigers. Well, it has to be, Gavin. And you, you can still acknowledge the history of both entities. You can still do that. And you're right. 100%, Julian. Oh, we'll come back to that in a moment. Uh, Jules, two of the worst clubs over the past decade are the Tigers and the Steel Dragons. I would argue that their sponsors get more airtime than more successful clubs. In my opinion, Brydens gets a lot out of sponsorship win or lose, says Matt. Well, he's got to, as you heard there, you know, hopefully secure them. He, he wants them to stay on for longer. And Lee Hadjapantela said, of course I'll honour the last deal. He's a West Tigers fan for life. For life. And he has given that club financial backing, whatever you think. That is an advantage that they had that Richo didn't have the luxury of when he started the rebuild at South Sydney. 0457 736 736. And just remember again, Richo, you heard him there. He's going to join Scotty Settler and Woogie Jace Matthews on Sports Day tonight from 6 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time, 5 o'clock in Queensland. So stay tuned for that. And Satsy will drill down even further 
into his role now as the new interim CEO of the West Tigers. one three hundred one eleven seventy. that is the open line number. We'll take a break, have a bit of a reset here on SEN Summer Mornings. Just having a look at highlights of the big batch from last night. Well done to the Brisbane Heat. Continue their unbeaten start of the season. Two wins and a no result. And, of course, with, what, 16-odd less games this season, every match counts. A notorious slow start as the Brisbane Heat, but they are firing at the moment. Colin Munro, he got some big runs. He got the 99, didn't he, in the first game against the Stars, and now what, he got 40-odd. And no relation I've established, because um, Maestro in the studio asked me, is there any relation to Matt Munro from, from Russia with love fame? Remember that English singer sang the Bond tune from Russia with Love? No one remembers Matt Munro for any song other than the from Russia with Love Bond theme tune. No, they're not related, apart from the fact that their names are spelled differently. M-U-N-R-O for Colin and M-O-N-R-O for Matt Munro. Kind of showing my age here, aren't I? Matt Munro from Russia with Love. Don't remember the last time I heard that. I'll tell you an underrated Bond tune. A View to a Kill, Duran Duran. Great tune. 0457 736 736. We'll speak some basketball with Kane Pittman from ESPN a bit later on in the program. Uh, so impressed with Richo. First time in 15 years I'm feeling confident about the year ahead in the future. Renewed my membership today. So pumped, Dom. This is the key. Membership. He said, you don't have a club without loyal members. And just off the back of these changes, these sweeping changes that we saw the West Tigers board yesterday and the implementation too of Shane Richardson a proven performer, and Barry O'Farrell. Is that enough to renew confidence in the fan base there at the West Tigers? So a legitimate question. What sort of membership boost do we see off the back of these changes? Very good point. I'm glad to hear that. Get behind your club. But I hate this. Oh, I'm going to you know, chuck in my membership. You know, it's a two-way street. I get that to, to voice a protest against something happening in your club, but at the same time, you've got to support them. Jules, from what Richo was saying, it sounds like everything is in place for success. The only thing that needed change with the administration and the board of directors. I hope the Tigers have a great season. Enjoy your show, mate. Thank you, Daz. Say what you want about Richo, says Dan. As a Souths fan, he took Souths from a much darker position. He got the great GIO from the Storm to wear red and green and lead Souths to a premiership. He knows what he's doing. All the best, Dan. Well, that's it. So if I'm a Tigers fan, first question, is this the toughest job? Because no, no, Souths is way tougher. Well, if that was tougher... And we saw premiership success at South Sydney. If I'm a Tigers fan, I go, okay, well, that, that's good. That allays any fears that I might have had. Greg from Gundy. Hello to you. Look, I'm not a Tigers fan at all, and I do think they do not move to Campbelltown. They should be re- relocated. I do know Richo personally. He's the only man who can pull them out of this situation. He will unearth a host of local young juniors. Well, he's big on junior development, as he said. They're Bowman and West Footy Clubs exist so they have two pathways for boys and girls leading to the NRL and NRLW teams. It's a smart way to do it. Why would you limit it to one pathway? Okay, I'll, I'll defer my judgment on that. I hadn't thought of it like that. But thank you, 953. Stability, uh, but certainly at the New South Wales Cup level, stability at board level and the front office is imperative. The next step is stability in the football department and lastly, stability in identity, says Daniel. It's time to consolidate and establish your home. The MacArthur region is a gold mine, a cabbage patch of talent. The demographics and burgeoning population, ABS forecast, says the MacArthur region tipping a population of over 600,000 by 2036. If West Tigers were fair income, they would have based themselves in the southwest of Sydney yesterday. 
If there was anything between the ears, West would be working hand-in-glove with the MacArthur Bulls A-League franchise, advocating for stadia funding to make Campbelltown Sports Stadium commercially viable with upgraded corporate hospitality. Then and only then, the Joint Venture Club will create stability, establish an identity and much-needed DNA. Uh, yes, upgrade right. And they've got the, I'm pretty sure, don't they have the train that dumps them out the front? They get transport to Campbelltown Stadium. I've never been there. I've never been there. Shagger, a view to a kill, had, in my opinion, the best Bond villain, the best Bond henchman, Christopher Walken and Grace Jones. Debatable. In the conversation, though. Thank you, Reptile. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 1170 Morning, Spart. Morning, mate. I agree, Reptile. Christopher Walken was was brilliant. He was. That. I agree, for yeah. sure. Um, mate, if, if you're going to use that press conference and the way Richo carried himself... It's just the whole vibe. He's straight on the front foot. Yeah. Any, any. Well, I mean, it was hard to hear the questions. I got to be honest. It hasn't changed, has it? That we did hear that. Yeah. No, not at all. But if it didn't, you know, he called them out. He was just straight back at them. Um, if if the West Tigers uh, attack can be anywhere near as good as that, you know, maybe maybe there's there's mm. a hope for him. Mm. So you you know, what do you do when when you're in it, when you're at the bottom? You got to put in place people who can get you off the bottom and he's proven that he can do correct. that so i mean what else are they going to do correct Just keep going the way they were yeah so you know i, I follow the dog so you know i don't i just want i, I want him to be good because i actually live in the area get the vibe you know i'm looking forward to walking down the main street of five dock in three years and you know there's a, a black yellow and white uh bread rolls remember they used to do that all the time at the bakery <laughs> when they had colored the cakes in I, grand final week. Uh, so, I, I don't yeah. remember that specifically. It doesn't surprise me, though. Yeah, yeah. Whatever the teams were. So back in the day, you get the blue and white for the dogs, um, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, a donut or something at the bakery. That was always the go-to. And you'd be guaranteed every grand final week, <laughs> the camera crew will be sent to a bakery <laughs> to fill <laughs> the different colours. <laughs> maybe, maybe it says more about me that I remember that than anything else. But uh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, so, it's, I think they've got the best man. All, yeah, indeed. They've got the best man for the job. A proven performer, as you said. And, and yeah. if I'm a Tigers fan hearing that, it's 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 cause for optimism, Spart. Agree. And then just to put some pessimism on, geez, what's the plan B if this is no good? <laughs> Why'd you have to do that? Know what I mean? Lots of, yeah, that's it. Uh, uh, no. Ying and Yang. Yeah, Ying it is. Yang. It's got to work, though. All right, mate. Yeah. Got to fly. That's right. See you, bud. See you, bud. Thank you. King is and Matt Munro from Bill Laurie's This Is Your Life. Oh, yeah, Mike Munro changed his to Matt. Matt Munro. Robin Blacktown. Blacktown. Let's get the news headlines. Uh, uh, James writes, so Benji has the full support of the CEO. How long is he going to last? Don't be so cynical, James. Thank you. Our wow, Spart 5, Doc. The Sinais of the Inner West, says Pedro. Uh, where did Justin Pascoe hold a press conference ever? Well, I know he features heavily in the Tales from Tiger Town documentary. I remember Blue Sausages when Power made the grand final one year. Thank you, Walnuts. Uh, Shane Richardson said several times that Luai was one of the best halfbacks in the NRL. Um, oops, Booney. Yeah, 5'8", but they did say that if he was going to go to the Tigers, they could give him the number seven jersey and basically hand him the keys to the team. Just on the... Timmy says, any cricket? We spent entire, the entire second out of the program, Timmy, talking cricket. Obviously, the Tigers is a big story. We had to cross to Shane Richardson, but I spoke to Alex Doolin and I spoke to the Optus curator, Isaac McDonald. Oh, Justin Langer, by the way, just a couple more things. He's not happy with the spat between Mitch Johnson and Davey Warner. Mitch is one of the very best people I've met in the game. He's a gentle giant. He's one of the great players and athletes I've seen. I mean, that 2013 Ashes and then into 
South Africa after that was the most devastating fast bowling I've seen in my lifetime. Like a lot of greats, he's also stubborn. While I don't know the ins and outs of his gripe with Davey, I hope they can talk it out behind closed doors. Hold hands, sing Kumbaya and get the fans back to be watching Test Match Cricket, which gets underway at Optus Stadium tomorrow, Australia and Pakistan. The best Bond uh, film and Bond girl spy loves me. Yeah, maybe. I mean, that's a conversation for another day. I never knew this bloke Shane Richardson is such a messiah of the NRL. That's just absolutely amazing. That has been the one to turn around the Rabbitohs, the Panthers, and I think there was another one, yes. So he's at the Sharks as well. I do remember the Bunnies couldn't get a win to save themselves. Now look at them. The Panthers, much agreed with the comments. What a great signing this is for the Tigers, says Warrior Tim. Um, 0457736736. People bunding for Campbelltown to be the home of the West Tigers have to understand West Campbelltown have nothing to do with the West Tigers. West Campbelltown need to get on board for the West Tigers to be based out in Campbelltown. I think most agree, though, that if you're going to ensure your future, that has got to be the reason to do it. 100% Jill, says Steve from Dubbo. Your reading out of text has definitely not been favourable to any agenda. Yeah, this is the last hour. I said, you know, people saying that we're protecting Lee Hatchabin. Tell us we're not. We give him plenty of time on this station. Obviously, he's a sponsor, full disclosure. That's no secret. But if you want to be critical of Lee, if you do it in a respectful and constructive way, I'm more than happy to read those out. And I've always done my utmost to read out your text messages because we are engaging on this network and this program. And if you take the time to write in, it's a common courtesy that I'll take the time to read it out. And I'll do my very best in that department. So thank you, Steve from Dubbo. Kudos to you, as to me. I'm loving the turmoil at the Tigers. May it last forever. <laughs> uh, Maddie from Coffs. Uh, we've had some stouches, Maddie and I. Uh, Jules, credit to you as well. You do read out all opinions, even if you don't agree. Solid fan of you, even though you're a big woke snowflake. Uh, it's a badge of honour for me. Thank you, Matt. I might be caught up Coffs. We'll have to steal, uh, steal a beer, eh? Sounds like he and Danny Widler have some beef. Oh, uh, yeah, it sounded like Danny, wasn't it? If not the penetrometer, what would a cricket pitch curator use to measure the hardness? Where's the greenkeeping rooster when we need him? A greenkeeping rooster, if you're tuning in, you've prepared a few pitches over the years. How do you measure the moisture? Do you the Tony Gregg keys? Just a thought. 0457 736 736. Just before we get to the break, uh, Netball Australia. Netball Australia, this is good news. And all eight Suncorp Super Netball teams and the Netball Players Association today signed a landmark partnership pay deal that will reward players and continue to grow the sport in the future. So the historic three-year collective player agreement will benefit current and future Suncorp Super Netball players, commercial partners, Australia's one million netball players and netball fans. So just quickly, the key elements of the agreement include that players will receive an immediate 11% pay rise over the three years with back pay to 1st of October. Good. The average potential salary will rise to $89,221. Minimum salaries will rise to 46 dollars over the terms of the CPA. Netball Australia and the players will enter into a landmark sponsorship revenue sharing partnership where players receive 20% of revenue above an agreed sponsorship forecast. That was the sticking point for so, so long. Kelly Ryan has departed. But I'm glad to see that we have reached an agreement. And the players will work closely with the game's commercial partners to grow the sport, including additional earnings, potential for players through increases to commercial caps. So big news in Netball Australia is that they have agreed and today signed a landmark partnership pay deal that will reward players and continue to grow the sport in the future. 0457 736 736, the text line number. We'll take a break. On the other side of this, we're going to talk some basketball with Kane Pittman.
Fast running out of time on the program today. Been a busy, busy show. We've got to talk some NBA and we thought we'd catch up with our friend Kane Pittman, ESPN NBA reporter, is on the line right now. G'day, Kane. How are we doing? Thanks for having me again. No, my pleasure. Listen, I want to start with Stephen A. Smith. We know Benny Simmons is a polarising figure at the best of times, but and you've worked with Stephen A. Smith. I was surprised at these comments to say he's disgusted with Ben in- Ben Simmons' latest injury setback. We know he's got some issues with the back, but he said, I don't care at this point that he's injured. Well, but if you're injured, you're injured. If you can't take the court, you can't take the court, Kane. Yeah, I think that that's definitely right. But I don't think that the comments were that much of a surprise if you've tracked over the years how Stephen A and perhaps the storyline with Ben Simmons has followed along. So mm. I think we've learned. I think we've learned over the years that um, yes, there is some uh, legitimate health stuff there. There was also you know some question marks about the 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 wants and the desire to continue to play basketball at the highest level, which we have seen in place. So I think. Uh, at this point in time, there's no question. This is a legit in- injury for Ben Simmons, and he's had some troubles with the back and uh, had herniated discs, which if anyone's had back problems before, they know that's a legit injury. So, um, look, Stephen A., we know he's, he's an absolute entertainer. So mm-hmm. uh, perhaps wasn't uh, that surprising that he went down that path. But the reality is, last month when I was in Boston and I spoke to Brooklyn head coach Jacques Vaughn, I asked him whether this was a potential a result of this injury and at that point in time they expected him to be back playing again in three or four days it's now been yeah. over a month and mm. we know that he's not going to be back anytime soon so you know the trouble for ben is this has been multiple years now where he hasn't been able to play whether it is the health stuff where it is some of the disappointing play on the court so i think whether we maybe have a little more patience here in australia um perhaps there's a little less of that uh, over here yeah it is frustrating if you're a betting man kane it- is he suiting up for the Boomers in Paris? Well, it's interesting because I did speak with Brian Gorgian only uh, six or seven weeks ago, and I asked him that exact question. And at that point in time, uh, the Boomers head coach was extremely confident that he would be and could be a part of this team. Uh, but the caveat that he did put on that was that he's got to play. and He's got to prove that he is healthy through this NBA season. Uh, we're not far from Christmas here, and clearly there is still a long way to go in this NBA season. But I do think uh, if he's not back and playing uh, regular basketball and, and looking like he's somewhere near himself uh, physically by the All-Star break around February or March, you are just going to start to run out of time. So uh, there will be many people listening to this show, I'm sure, that are thinking that he was no chance regardless. But the longer this break goes and the, the more legitimate this back injury continues yeah, and I think also pleasing for Gorge is that Paddy Mills, albeit sort of, oh, we just dropped off. He's dropped off. We'll see if we can't get him back because I want to get his thoughts about Paddy Mills' increased game time there for the Atlanta Hawks. And on top of that, you know, LeBron James. Can you imagine doing what he's doing at his age at 39? Absolutely freaks. They say LeBron's hanging around just so he can, he can play with his son, Bronny. I think we've got him back now on the line. Uh, Kane, we got you back? Yep, yep. Sorry, okay. mate. Lost uh, you there, but... No, I was just going to say, so Gorge, I'm no doubt to be pleased to see, and Australian uh, basketball fans for that matter, albeit sort of injury in force, but Paddy Mills starting to get a few more minutes for the Hawks. Well, he's very important, and this we mostly expect will be his last uh, Olympic campaign, certainly for the Boomers, and he's still going to be a, a much-required player. They need the outside shooting, they need the offense. Um, so I think it was a problem last year. Paddy Mills only played 41 games last year for the Brooklyn Nets. He wasn't in 
regular game shape that he has been throughout his career coming into that World Cup. I still thought he performed really well, uh, but there's no question that there are a lot of these Boomers players that haven't been playing as much as they would like. And yeah, we've lost him again now. I want to also get his thoughts on this inaugural in-season tournament. It's divided a few people. Uh, I'll, I'll get a couple more if we can get him back. Let's, let's just try him one more time. I just want to get a couple more questions to Kane, if I can. Uh, G'day, Jill, says Simon. Looking forward to that first session in Perth tomorrow with reports the curator has done his best to put some extra pace and bounce in the Optus over wicket. Cannot wait. Yeah, it still gets you excited. And I said to Isaac McDonald, the curator, do you get as excited as us fans for the first test of the summer? Is, oh, my word, I do. My word, I do. Uh, how many runs did that year ban cost Smith and Warner? Both peak batting years at the time of Sandpaper Gate. Yeah, that that's true. I guess we don't know. We can only guess. But having said that, Dad, I mean, you do the crime, you do the time. Some say now, in hindsight, it was a harsh punishment, but it is what it is. Look, we might have to let Kane Pittman go there, unfortunately, just a bit of a, a dicey line. But yeah, a few days removed from the Lakers winning the inaugural in-season tournament. It was propped up by the NBA. Each player in the Lakers get 500 grand. 500 grand for winning the tournament. Maybe Rugby League are looking at that saying, can we bring back the Panasonic Cup? Run that on a Wednesday night at Leichhardt Oval. LeBron James, 30-90 turns in two weeks' time. Just named the MVP of the in-season tournament. 26 points, 8 assists, and 7 rebounds. One of the all-time greats. Probably top three all-time greats, LeBron James. And I'm of the 90s vintage, so for me, it's Michael Jordan, Daylight Second. And no one will ever tell me LeBron's better than MJ. But that's a conversation for another day. Uh, Paramat, yes. <laughs> Talking about me being fair to everyone. I'm giving everyone... A chance to have this. Say, more even than an ambidextrous spirit level, Jules. This is Paramount. That's very good from you. And crime scene. Oh, crime scene. I'm still going through those mangoes. I gave my son. Sweet. My goodness. Delightful. Just to give some backing to Lee Hadjapan, tell us I've always found him intelligent and engaging to listen to. Blaming him for all the West Tigers' woes seems illogical. I believe that Lee's heart has always been in the right place. Do not look for scapegoats, Tigers fans. It's self-defeating. Well, it's Shane Richardson there. Well, let's look forward. Let's not play the blame game. What's done is done. Let's do our best to re-establish greatness at this club. Now, just before we get to another break, uh, Maestro, it's been a bit quiet today, but we had some Champions League action this morning. No big surprise. My beloved Man United went down 1-0 to Bayern Munich. With some more dreadful defending featuring what? heavily at Old Trafford, that'll be coming as a, a big surprise to you, Jules. So they finished bottom of their group. They're out of Europe altogether. Mm. Not even qualified for the Europa League. That place has been taken by Galatasaray, who were beaten 1-0 by FC Copenhagen. The Danish champions going through to the round of 16, which is a massive achievement for them. Elsewhere, the other games with some sort of context around them. Napoli beating Braga in uh, down in Naples to qualify from their group in second place. Inter, Inter and Real Sociedad were both going for the top of the group. That's finished nil-nil, which means Sociedad top that group, meaning they'll avoid some of the big guns like Bayern, like Real Madrid in the round of 16. Uh, and Benfica managed to sneak into the Europa League, which I always like to see. They've got a soft spot for Benfica in Portugal. Why do you have it? What, how does one develop a soft spot for Benfica in Portugal? I just always like the football that they've played. And oh, right. take it's it like up a, to the big clubs. Yeah, Like a jersey Portuguese. or anything? No, no, Portuguese football's always interested me, I guess you can say. And after visiting Lisbon earlier this year... Yeah. I can only give it a, a, an even bigger rap as a city. They beat RB Salzburg in Austria 3-1 this morning. And for Arsenal fans, 1-1 against PSV. Which yeah. sees them 
go through uh, on top of that group ahead of PSV who needed that result to um, finish in second place in the group. That's a, a, a great result for them to get through ahead of Lens, who won. Uh, Robbie Slater's Sevilla. old club. Yes, right? Robbie Slater's old club. They won over Sevilla this morning, yeah. uh, but they were already through to the Europa League in any case. So that's a, a very quick wrap-up. The game's tomorrow of interest. The biggest one is Newcastle taking on AC Milan at St. James's Park. If they win that and Dortmund are defeated by PSG, which is a um, a possibility, then they'll go through, which is uh, massive for them. Barcelona, Antwerp and Porto, Shakhtar, Donetsk, the other games with a little bit of context there tomorrow. Thank you so much, Maestro. Uh, just back to you, Reptile, very quickly before the break with regards to Jay's Bond. We said Colin Munro, no relation to Matt Munro from Russia with Love. And you said, um, uh, best Bond film and Bond girl spy who loved me. Roger Moore was never my favourite. He's sort of, you know, very debonair Englishman. But Connery, for me, is the best. Barbara Buck. Barbara Buck, who married which Beatle? Ringo Starr. Pretty sure she married Ringo Starr. And then Richard Keel, who famously played Jaws, you know, with the, the mouthful of metal. So Barbara Bach. So Ringo, who's meant to be like the, the weak link of the Beatles, married the Bond girl. Go Ringo. We'll take a break, come back, wrap things up on SEN Mornings. Wow, what a show we've had on the program today. Thank you, everybody, for contributing as well. Now, just before we go, well done to Mackenzie Arnold. She has been named as one of three finalists for the Best FIFA Women's Goalkeeper, the award that recognises the outstanding keeper in women's football between the 1st of August 2022 and the 20th of August 2023. The shot stopper was named to the seven-player shortlist back in September, her first nomination for the award after helping Australia to a history-making FIFA Women's World Cup finish on home soil. She's been announced as one of the three finalists joined by England's Mary Earps and Spain's Kata Cole. So well done to Mackenzie Arnold and just reward. She was one of the stars of the Matildas World Cup campaign. It's, it's amazing. She gets to walk down the street, you know, barely any money, and now she gets recognised, as it should be. Outstanding. And I want to give the final word to Freddie Couples, golf legend. And people know my take on Liv. And on Liv, he says this, Fred Couples, I want them to go for free. Go on CNN and every TV show and say why they're going, because it's that good. 100 mil doesn't get it. 200 mil doesn't get it. 300 mil doesn't get it. But for 400 million, it's a great product. It's a great show. My ass. Tell me the next guy who says I'm going for free, boys. I love this tour. I don't like the PGA tour anymore. No one's going to do that. So what does that tell me? It's all about money, which is fine. But don't sit there and say they're changing the game. What are they changing? The Live Tour ain't changing a thing. Thank you, Freddie Couples. Thank you to our guests on the program today, to Gary Jack, Alex Doolan, Isaac McDonald, the curator at Optus Stadium, to Kane Pittman from ESPN, from 2am, Tommy and DeMaestro for their work behind the scenes. Jimmy Smith coming up after the news. Special guest Michael Chambers from the City Morning Herald and Roy Masters. I'm Julian King. Thank you, everyone. Have a great day. Catch you tomorrow. Bye-bye.